chain link for the season pretty much uh everything's taking a nosedive a bit um definitely all the alts that really ran heavy uh fetch akash solana um injective neutron yeah pretty much everything doing a pretty good dip today um is it kind of ready to buy yet? That's kind of a maybe. Um, hard to say, but I, I I think most likely a lot of these other alts need to pull back um, some. Let's see where Ethereum is today. ETH dropped from like 270 to 2463. It's not bad. ETH is looking pretty strong. All the, all the little micro caps um have basically taken an, just a, a beating here being pulled down every time uh btc kind of drags chainlink's really doing the best um of most of the stuff on my radar at least um i added a whole bunch of link um i think it's like a solid contender any of you Link fans want to come up and chat about it, but it seems like the solid contender for like a big run this season. Um, I'm becoming more of a believer that it's going to be kind of the big, so like on the high ca high market cap stuff, uh, Link could do its do the the big run this season. Um, you know, pull a Cardano style ridiculous move kind of thing, um, except that it actually does shit. Um, yeah, is it going to do like the link to a thousand type stuff people talk about? Probably not, but like, but uh, I think crazy numbers are definitely possible. Not crazy, but like one forty to two forty links looks feasible, um, given the sort of state of things. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, like really, if there's a god, link would be sitting up there probably right after Ethereum, most likely. Um, as far as kind of like most credible projects in the space at this point. Um, let's see what other stuff actually sits in front of it. Yeah. BNB is sort of bullshit and I don't think it's going to run like, um, in the past just because I don't know, it's, there's a lot less confidence in Binance in CZ or whatever the hell else they did. So that's kind of whatever. Um, Solana has a bit of a head start, but um, is doing a fair pullback right now. Um, I think like it's one of these things that like if there is any kind of real um, 
move towards quality in this world, it would be basically like chain link flipping XRP and Solana, BNB, and Tether, and getting up to that kind of 100 million plus market cap range. Um, can it actually do that? Fuck if I know. Like it, the thing is, like it had a lot of good characteristics last season, but like fell off in terms of narrative and whatnot. I think they're doing a lot better job this season. Navrov is, you know, making the rounds a bit more. You got good videos out there from the last conference. You have um, so videos from like Eric Schmidt out there. You have, you know, when newbies go to research what they what coin they want to buy. There's like Sergey's done an interview with Lex Friedman. Um, you have like all these build programs and various news related to staking coming out. You have the fact that um, I don't know if any of the guys over here know when the mainnet's going to open, but I, I think it's not open quite yet, I guess. But it's like Ave, um, GMX, um, who else is on them right now? Uh, Optimism, uh, Matic, or Polygon um, is on there. And then um, Arbitrum as well. So pretty much all of the big players um, in the trading space are connecting to Chainlink CCIP. Really interesting stuff as far as like releasing cross the ability to release cross chain NFTs with CCIP. So if you the way this would work is if you're an NFT platform and your native chain incorporates Chainlink CCIP, it should be quite easy to. Um, set up whatever metadata is necessary for NFTs, and it allows you to send them between one platform and the next. So, for example, if you're on Arbitrum, you can send it to, you know, whatever. Um, let's say Stargaze, if they implement it. So I kind of like tagged Stargaze, which is a Cosmos NFT platform, and kind of like had them recommended they look into it, adding CCIP. Um, but uh, as we know, like a lot of the implementation stuff takes years. And um, a lot of the narrative stuff it what is what pumps the price into sort of new highs for the season. I think they've got good narratives. Um, uh, let me pull up the Chainlink uh, kind of partnerships sort of list here. Um, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, give me just a second. I like just Google this thing or whatever. Um, yeah, chainlinkecosystem.com has a lot of the information you might want as far as um, information regarding all the different projects that are being added. There's quite a lot on here. Um, 313 browse gaming-related things, 569 NFT-related things, 753 DeFi, 103 blockchain, 103 data provider, 90 node operator. Let's kind of dig into this, see what kind of shit they have in here in this list. Let's pull up NFTs, for example. Um, I don't freaking know who half these projects are, but there's creepy critters and pixel sweepers, and they've incorporated CCIP. Uh, Board Breakfast Love, who the fuck that is? They incorporated. You have Game Starter. You have Polychain Monsters. So I guess they're just. This is a list of just individual NFT projects with uh, CCP, CCIP integration, um, you know, what, what does that do for like the price of those NFTs or what does it do for 
CCP in general, I don't know. Oh, here's what I know. One planet has um, NFTs and VRF data feed. Some of these things had incorporated data feed, some of the automation. Um, so there's different little chain link features that each of these projects has incorporated from Chainlink. So they don't all they're not all on CCIP, according to this list. Um, but interesting stuff as far as like the, the just the project lists are getting bigger. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see who. Yeah, so like they divided up on here by Polygon, BNB Chain, Avalanche, Arbitrum, Solanas, Ethereum. So there's um, these different platforms are using different products from Chainlink: data feeds, VRF, automation, API, CCIP. 116 um, have incorporated CCIP, which is a cross-chain protocol. Uh, let's see what kind of stuffs in here. Redacted, which is a DeFi project. Fairbet, Sommelier. Oh, I didn't know that. Sommelier on Cross Cosmos has uh, incorporated CCIP already. Um, Vodafone Telecommunications has incorporated CCIP, IoT, and nodes. I didn't realize that already. Oh, that's an intent. I'm sorry. So it actually lists things that are live here versus things that have intent. Um, Let's see, Dirac Finance. I'm trying to find stuff that I actually recognize on here. Um, I don't really spend too much time on, not too much time, zero time in the Ethereum space. Spend pretty much zero time in uh, some of these other um, BNB or whatever. So I'm not really sure what some of these are. But here's one I recognize GMX has incorporated infrastructure, DeFi, data streams, data feeds, and CCIP. DTC, which is the largest clearinghouse for um, stocks and other like securities assets in the world. I think it. this is the one where people have that quadrillions meme about Chainlink. Um, they're talking about DTCC, post-trade financial trade services. It uh, has an intent to incorporate CCIP um, at an enterprise level. It is not actually uh, implemented yet. That's a gigantic undertaking, I'm sure. Um, ANZ Bank, this is New Zealand, also has an intent to do some work with them. Um, but not apparently implemented yet. Uh, you got Arbitrum One here that they're live with Layer Two CCIP and VRF. Uh, who else is here? Um, Amara Finance, ClearDAO. I don't know who those are. Sushi Swap is has CCIP now. Um, of course, it's a a Dex and uh, uses some of the APIs. Swift, uh, the world's leading provider of secure financial messaging services. I think they do like, again, trillions in, in transactions. Um, they do like, uh, yeah, many trillions of transactions per day. I think they do like around four to five trillion dollars worth a day. They have, in, have an intent to incorporate data feeds, DeFi, CCIP, and other APIs. That's a gigantic one. Ave is live with data feeds and CCIP. Synthetics is live with data uh, provider CCIP. So Synthetics um, probably uses data provision in terms of like real-time stock prices because they, they're a stock derivatives Synthetics platform. So they need the price of an actual stock like Apple stock to correlate with the, with like the fake Apple stock that they'll have on their platform. Um, if you're used to Terra, uh, it would be very similar to Mirror Protocol. Um, somehow that's still going on uh, Ethereum. Uh, it somehow survived and continues. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, 
so this is just kind of looking through the Chainlink ecosystem, uh, particularly as it pertains to CCIP, the cross-chain messaging protocol. Uh, pretty cool stuff. It says like the latest ones that they've incorporated are AutoBet, Redacted, Singularity Dial. Latest in proof of reserves. This is interesting. Uh, more Johannesburg, which is a like auditing, tax, and consulting firm. Uh, Arda, uh, which is a Web two, Web three infrastructures applications. Stablecoin standard. So proof of reserves is an interesting Chainlink thing where. Um, the idea here is like Chainlink will um, transmit via CCIP the real world reserves of um, whatever um, uh, platform you're talking about. Um, one of those here is TrueUSD, which DPEG lately. T um, there's what else is on here? Gold Retriever, which is a decentralized exchange. Um, looking for some that I might recognize here. Cash gold, gold-based token. So yeah, there's people doing gold-based proof of reserves on here already. Uh, Huobi, the cryptocurrency exchange company, that's of course one of the big um, exchanges, has um, incorporated proof of reserves, which is really interesting. So I guess there must be a real-world real auditor, and they connect the proof of reserve system to Chainlink. And I guess somehow or another, Huobi's reserves would sort of like be proven that they have actual user funds or whatever. Um, and uh, that was kind of a problem with like Binance and others where, you know, you they claim to have user funds or FTX, but they really don't. They've like you know, done some shit with it. Like uh, here's one, Gemini with uh, the Winklevoss brothers. They had some problems with their reserves because they had their reserves locked up with, um, who was it, Genesis or somebody, I can't remember. And they got fucked over um, with their Gemini Earn program, if you guys recall from the last season. They've signaled an intent here to add Chainlink for proof of reserves um, for their exchange. So it looks like um, several, um, there's quite a few major crypto and non-crypto folks that are going for institutional grade proof of reserves and um, like. Uh, cross-chain solutions with um, Chainlink. And um, looks like they have some partnerships with, they're looking at with Swift. Um, uh, let's see, this T-Systems, which is, I believe, not AT&T, but uh, what's the other one? One of the cell phone providers, AWS, Amazon, um, Google Cloud, uh, Swisscom, Associated Press. Not sure what that's going to be about. But yeah, a lot of interesting um, uh, Chainlink partnerships and stuff. So it's pretty much going to be never-ending news for Chainlink for the next three years. Um, I yeah, Steffi, what do you think about these Oracle networks? Um, they're not like open source and all their code base, right? It's almost like Kuji on a lending protocol. Mm, yeah, and I'm not sure. Yeah, as far as like, well, are they susceptible to hacks or something? Yeah, yeah I think it's actually a, a, a positive. You know, you don't want everything like open source because it just exposes you so much to potential hacks yeah I'm, I'm not sure what uh what uh techniques or whatever that they use to mitigate the possibility of some kind of attack on their node structure you know not being i don't have enough like you know even if it was open source i wouldn't have the tech knowledge to know but yeah I don't, i'm not sure what they do about that or do they audit their structure and whatnot i'm not really sure to be honest with you um 
these tend to be complicated things too. It's like, they're not the easiest things to audit either because they're fairly complicated systems. So um, there is always a potential for, for problems, but so far, most of Chainlink systems have, have performed really well. Um, the Oracle systems at least have functioned as far as I know, largely flawlessly. I haven't heard any major Chainlink news in the last, I don't know, five years that since they came about. So somehow or another, they seem to do pretty good. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, as far as like just um, useful things that Chainlink's doing, they have, of course, their build program, which is kind of like, I guess, coordinating with projects and whatnot that want to incorporate Chainlink. And um, I think there's a bit of like, if you want to incorporate an Oracle into your company or your blockchain project, project there's kind of this idea that basically um, they would like subsidize to some extent the cost of nodes for a while um, by using, I guess, Chainlink's funds to, for, to stakers of the Chainlink token. And then later, like those, those um, platforms, as they get you know, more successful, they would, I suppose, um, you know, be able to pay for it themselves at that point. So, yeah, super interesting, though. I think, like, if you look at where uh, price action is, um, you know, it's, we've been hitting this, like, 1580 um, sort of, like, area fib, like, over and over and over again with, with uh, price action, like, the fourth, fifth time. And um, this has been, like, an price action-wise, the $12 to $15 area has been a point of like heavy traffic for the last, I don't know, really since back in 2020. And, um, you know, a lot of buyers and sellers in this range or whatever. Um, I think uh, the probability of ultimately breaking this um, is pretty good. And the, and the nice thing here is that Chainlink has not run heavy, right? It's only run from like... Um, you know, that like $8.40 breakout fib um, up to this range a few months ago, and it hasn't gone crazy like Solana and some other things. So the nice thing about it is it's still at a level that's investable. Like Solana, I threw a little bit of tiny bag. And uh, in fact, even even like, um, you know, I, I bought some Solana like 103 thinking it's going to have a breakout. I bought some more at like, I don't know, whatever. And I don't know if you can pull, pull like a, a, a 5x Solana right now from these prices. Like $500 seems like crazy, right? Yeah. Well, but what happened is, well, chain, here's what happened. Chain like, definitely can, right? So, so what I did with my bag on Solana is it ran up a bit. It made my position break even because I bought more lower on the last dip. And then I'm like, fuck this. And I bought some Chainlink instead. <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, because the, like Solana could run and everything and that's wonderful. But I think like, to me, the because my bags are pretty big, and so um, if I wanted kind of like the lowest risk play for large amounts of money in crypto right now, like the lowest risk play is probably Chainlink, I would think. And I'm not saying this just because I hold a large bag, which I do. I think generally the fundamentals like look really good. So if you're if you're into buying something based on fundamentals, I think Chainlink has some of the best fundamentals out there. Um, if you're into like memes and, you know, um, whatever, like uh, momentum and everything, that's fine too. But yeah, I, for a small portion of your money, right? Yeah. Um, like I, you, you can, you can do small portions of money and all sorts of things. Um, like, you know, we were playing around with some of these AI things and playing around with like, 
you know, these different layer ones and whatever. And, you know, uh, everything's pulled back a bit. And I don't think people should get too, too bearish necessarily. Um, some of these charts have sort of started to roll over. Like we talked about fetch Remember, Like I was like, it's looking kind of bearish. And I was like, and I was getting out of that. Um, I converted that to chain link at like, I think maybe, I don't know, like nine bucks or some, maybe 10 bucks. No, I take that back. Maybe 12, something. I, I, I just push buttons. I don't pay that close attention with the fuck I'm buying. What price, honestly, like, <laughs> I'm like, if it looks like a good buy at the time, I'm like, let's convert. So I converted my fetch over to chain link as well. So pretty much like my biggest bag in terms of, um, like fundamentals based plays, um, where like I've consolidated a lot of this cause like, so I don't have to follow a bunch of random coins. And I'm like, let's just consolidate into quality. And I just dumped a ton of it into uh, Chainlink. So part of why its price is staying up is in no small part because I put a fuck ton of money in it. <laughs> so I think like that's part of why it's it hasn't gone down. But because there's not that much Chainlink left on exchanges. I think it's like 14 or 15% of Link is left on exchanges. And I think the estimates are, like I saw some analysis is something like 90% of people in Chainlink currently in profit at the moment. So um, so it's like like it's looking decent. So anyway, yeah, I mean, like full disclosure, if you buy it, you're going to pump my bag. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but at the same well, time, one thing, one thing about Chainlink, I think is quite bullish on the long run is they build a track record. So they have so far never really failed someone or some protocol, right? Mm -hmm. Which is always it's like if you look even ETH, you know, there's so many hacks going on and you can say, yeah, it's not ETH itself. It's just people writing stupid contracts. But to an outsider, it's always like, okay, there's a lot of bullshit going on, right? So anything linked with a blockchain seems like unsavory or unsafe, you know? Right. So if, if you are a, whatever, a CFO and you have to make a risk assessment, it's like, oh, I'm not going to touch this shit with a 10 foot pole, right? <laughs> I'm not going right, to do right. it. You know? No, exactly. If, so it's like if someone yeah, comes along and said, "Yeah, well, look, we we built this, and these idiots used our protocol safely, and we never failed them." You know, they done some bullshit, but it's not on us, right? So it looks pretty decent to me. It's a good plan, right? To kind By of way, some some dick keeps buying Zephyr right before like I get a chance to get <laughs> convert my ZRS. Like I'm like, what is this bullshit? I was like, oh come on, maybe it'll go to thirteen, maybe it'll go to twelve, and I can convert my um, Zephyr to ZRS, and like. Um, soon as I'm watching that moving average price, I don't know how, what time that will move. Cause like, that's the problem. It's like, you gotta watch this thing like a hawk to actually get some ZRS, yeah. but shit. Like anyway, um, it popped again now to 14,770 and it was like at 13 bucks just a second ago. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to, I want to convert my ZRS before the, the, everything moons again. But Zephyr definitely did pick up some volume at this level, um, yesterday. Listen, and someone tonight, someone actually minted about 30 K ZRS. Oh, yeah, you know, some up. some people mentioned, yeah, that they actually made it, and they messaged me. He's like, um, V Shape actually is like, hey, did you get a chance to get uh, get to mint? And I'm like, no. I was like, what happened? Um, I think Euro got some too, and I couldn't like. So sometime in the middle of the night, the actual moving average price dropped enough to where like, but it was yeah, like it was little, about six in the morning here, and I was shoveling snow because we had new snow, and I was like, okay, go shovel some snow and just dip. You yeah, know, for this was. <laughs> It was late at night. This is my wife's fault. I'm going to blame her uh, for having me sleep early. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so anyway, like, yeah, the, uh, the, the, yeah, the good thing is like, um, it's, you know, we like for Zephyr, at least we had like the price flatten out. It kind of sat at like a support price of 16 bucks. 
and this is mimicking exactly what the classic sort of like um you know crypto chart looks like um perfect example of this would be like the bitcoin 2017 peak all the way down to like you know where 2019 where you know 2018 2019 where you had capitulation and then run up again but it's a much shorter time frame because the market cap's much smaller but it's like a fractal of that so the BTC chart from 2017 onwards is pretty much like a fractal for the typical crypto uh, chart. You can just follow that as kind of the visual like look of how these things look. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, see some assets buying up the Zephyr right now. It's like 15 again. I'm like, <laughs> like they're, they're trying to protect their ZRS position or something. But um, anyway, um, yeah, I was hoping it'd go down a little bit more, but whatever. What are you going to do? Yeah, but anyway, so. Yeah, back to Chainlink. I think um, chart-wise looking good. I think it's kind of one of the safer plays at this price. It's definitely not overvalued by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, like, I mean, damn, like, it's like, if you look at 2020 levels, right, Chainlink was here in like, you know, right before the bull market took off. And that was, it depends on when you count the bull market, like 2019, like 2020 was kind of like that period where you know, sort of typically kind of like the beginning of the uptrend, you know, of the 200 day moving average for Chainlink and Bitcoin and everything. And then um, it ran to 20 in DeFi summer and then dumped to like seven bucks, right? So did all this business back in 2020. And it was um, really, really hyper volatile back then. And so far, it has not been as volatile as back then. After we kind of pulled up to this like $17 mark, it only pulled back to 12, whereas back in 2020, it would go to like 19, then it would dump to like seven, right? Like a lot more volatility. So, you know, are we going to replicate that volatility um, by doing another dip to like 12 bucks? It's quite possible, quite possible. So I wouldn't sort of uh, rule that out as far as like, uh, but the 200 day moving average for Chainlink should hit at current pace. Well, yeah, it's, it's going to hit um, right around like late February. Um, so in about a month from now, the 200 day moving average for Chainlink will hit $12. So, and then there's a fib right at like $12. So the thing is, you know, could you see that trajectory where you have a confluence of indicators like a fib and a 200 day moving average and it just sort of hits there? It's possible. But at the same time, it's like, that just seems too obvious to me now. It's like the, uh, the, the, I was looking at Google trends too. It's like definitely the baseline number of search trends for Chainlink has escalated a bit so i think people are looking into it now it's like that's the way to look at it and the fact that like it's one of the best performing in this little dip um it's one of the best performing uh coins in this like uh, uh all coin dump right now is really really promising uh, so i guess we'll have to see like do we have some more more action like this btc like kind of went down to like 40,000 something and now it's like 41.1. I went and bought some BTC in the ETF today um, via Fidelity. I had an order, market order in for the morning hours um, and that filled. And like my thought is that BTC could go down to like um, one possibility is it goes down to like 39K or you could have it dumped to 200 day moving average at 33K, which is right at about a fib. Um, which it never retested on the way up. So, you know, if we have like a BTC dump, that would probably be it. And, you know, it's not uncommon to have a pretty sizable dump pre-havening 
why because like there's a pre the happening narrative and then you know you have the um you know usually you have a dump either before and then you run into happening or you have a run into happening and then you dump afterwards it's like a sell the news type of thing um same thing with the the um etf thing you'll have some like you know pre-etf money priced in and then you'll have a pullback and then there's all this fud about what grayscale is doing with their btc and i think there's i don't think they would just be dumping randomly on the market i think it because it it hurts indirectly their own btc customers i would wonder if they are selling otc to some of these um etf agencies like a blackrock because they have a fuck ton of money right blackrock or whoever they can buy however much they feel like it <laughs> like pretty much they can buy all the btc there is if they wanted to that's how much money they have laying around so um it wouldn't surprise me that they're selling otc at these levels and um not dumping the market price because it's not it's it's i don't know what the rules are for etfs and shit but like etfs can't get powerful enough to where they are seen as manipulating the price of btc also right so then you can't counter trade your own customers at some level and i don't know what where the rules are between that you know what constitutes trading against your own customers but you can't be an ftx alameda right that's the bottom line you can't be blackrock and you know be trading against your customers customers will then leave you eventually if they find you're a, a bad actor so companies like fidelity have made a name for themselves on like excellent um sort of ethics blackrocks you know call it call it whatever you will they own a lot of money but like part of the reason why a lot of people put money with them is because usually there's not a lot of shenanigans there Larry Fink and BlackRock make a fuck ton of money by being honest. Like they have no reason to be dishonest because they're already super, super wealthy. Um, and um, so typically the, the, uh, both those organizations have pr been pretty good. And so I think like both Fidelity, BlackRock, um, ETFs are probably pretty good choices. And um, I'm going to scale into them if the price of BTC drops. I'm not too interested in owning a lot of Bitcoin added by etf now but so if it if it drops i'll add but like you know i bought a little bit here just a just a starter position and then if it drops um i'll add to that because we're basically like you know we went to like 49k and now we're at you know we we're almost forty thousand or something this morning it's a pretty good pullback um and it replicates the pullbacks that we had december 15th and december 23rd so like, yeah, some support price needs to be built for BTC and, um, you know, all seem to be sort of, you know, dumping helter skelter. Um, some of the like worst performing so far of the season. Yeah. Like Luna's back to its 200 day moving average is a perfect example. Um, it sort of gave up most of its gains. So it's sitting there. I still have my Luna bag. So it'd be nice to have that go up. Um, uh, which, which, which ETF did you buy? Uh, I picked up uh, FBTC, which is the Fidelity B Fidelity Bitcoin. Um, FBTC. Yeah, and the, um, yeah, which is fine. Like it's a it's a good brand. Um, the BlackRock one's probably fine too. And then um, I'm not really sure about Vanek and some of the other ones. There are a variety of them. Um, yeah, you you want one where in high probability it's going to be managed well where the etf price um the nav or the like tracks the actual price of btc so if you'll notice like fbtc's price is actually lower than bitcoin price they're not they're not they don't go together by the way they have a nav which means like their their 
the amount of the value of the ETF and the value of BTC will not actually correlate except for in magnitude based on the amount of BTC within that ETF. It's not like, it doesn't directly track the price of Bitcoin like, you know, $41.11 is the price of the ETF right now. Like FBTC right now is priced what? It like, I'm not sure what it is right now, but it's like 37 or something like that. So it's it's not exactly the same, but you, you don't have to worry about all that shit. Just look at the price of BTC um, and you could buy during mar during market orders with the presumption that the ETF ticker matches um, BTC pretty closely on these bigger ones. So that's how you can pick those up. Um, but again, you'd want to like be a little bit careful if it's like over the weekend, you put a market order in and, um, you know, BTC could go up suddenly and maybe that's not the price you wanted it at. It might be cheap. Like, so over the weekend, those ETFs are not going to be very useful. They're more for like weekday trading. But anyway, um, pretty cool because you can do it within your, your pro trading portfolio. And why do I even bring this up? It's because like while BTC's price has gone down a bit and there's some narrative pump that drove that, um, ETF investors are most definitely going to be buying some BTC. How, how, how much and how much that affects the price? I don't know. Um, Remember, remember, these are not leverage positions. These are all like spot BTC. So this is really, really bullish for, for um, a ongoing uptrend. And and you know, is this one of those years where we have like an actual bull market for twenty twenty, like the actual happening year, as opposed to having like a bunch of chop and like really shitty price action? I don't know. I'm not sure, but that would be really cool. Um, I'd rather get this fucking over with, <laughs> like you know, have a rapid bull run and just kind of like rock this thing and then um everyone gets rich and you know before the newbies show up um that would be ideal um yeah the higher the price can run before new people show up for all of everything the better off we're going to be um you know that way like you know people who've been here from the bear market get the vast majority of the benefit whereas like your friends and shit who are going and buying chain link right now or whatever like you know they're they're most certainly going to do fine <laughs> like it's still very very early and um, you, you don't have a lot of like market FOMO and stuff. Um, part of it too is like, um, it's not just everyone that's I think gonna be participating this season. Um, a lot of people are in debt, especially in the United States. And it's like the top 15% of households or something own a significant portion of the actual wealth. But those that top 15% have a fair amount that they're doing well with. Um, I have been noticing like things like luxury car prices have gone down price of diamonds have gone down um so with the high interest rate um luxury goods are not um appreciating as quickly as they once did so there's definitely um those negative headwinds but on the flip side like the stock market has been putting in crazier highs in particular um nasdaq has just been a bit ridiculous uh, which is kind of <laughs> so I don't know all of that you know as long as the stock market's doing okay you know some people are predicting that there's going to be like a yeah S&P 500 eyes new record close so there's definitely some like thinking that we're going to have some kind of blow off here of some kind like you guys like you remember when I was buying IBM stock as an example I bought that shit at like <laughs> I kid you not at like 120 bucks IBM Big Blue is 170 at the moment, and it's a P to E ratio of 22 
Yeah, and dividend yields only like four percent now, and it's still being listed on Yahoo's like little thingamajig as undervalued. <laughs> like so, I, like you know, this is like the big told you so of like the last year. Is while a bunch of people are holding macro spaces and crying about being bearish and talking about this and that, I just bought all that shit up. Um, so it's so the um, yeah, so many tickers are doing well. Um, let's see what else is happening on that side of the world. Let's see, Apple's at one ninety. Um, my Volkswagen stock is still doing nothing. Um, automakers are down, by the way, noob. Um, those are kind of be the good buys right now is always buy the blood and wait a few years and Volkswagen, Ford. So any, any of these like automakers that are kind of left in the dust a bit. Did, did you see that story about that dealership in Germany that imported like 20 Chinese made ID sixties as an electric? No, no, I didn't. Is there yeah, Volkswagen? So they're, they're like 20 K from China, right? It's retailing mm -hmm. for like 20 K in China. I'm more than that, but it's like, it's like the half what the, German-made IDs cost, right? And these dudes, they actually imported like 20 cars or something, and they get sued by Volkswagen for oh. whatever. I don't know. They imported it. They paid taxes. They got them registered and everything, and the court confiscated these 20 cars, you know? <laughs> it's just like super weird, you know? <laughs> I sold I sold a bit of um, like my a whatever AMD, and it continues to rise for whatever reason. Um, I was kind of right about Tesla that it's continuing to dump like another 1% and all the electric car makers are dumping with the cold this season. Another funny thing was that like a bunch of people's Teslas got bricked. They couldn't even charge them. Um, and they're just like sitting there on the street <laughs> and some people had like ice covering the doorknobs, which have these like flush, flush mount doorknobs and they couldn't open their fucking doors and stuff. It's just really funny stuff. Um, Teslas are funny. It's like, they're not, um, that like. There are some features that they need to like fix on those cars to make them more useful, especially in cold weather. Um, yeah, kind of strange. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's super weird with the electric cars, right? Um, I mean, here we we get pretty cold winters, mm -hmm. but and, and people they just leave them plugged in overnight so they heat the batteries, right? And they're not really like um, happy with it, put it that way. So there's not too many electric cars around here. It's yeah, different yeah. if you live, live in the climate like in, in South France or Spain, all the Mediterranean, right? They have solar. If exactly. you have something on your roof, you can almost charge your car for free, right? If you just do some groceries and shit, you know, it's it's really like, uh, it just doesn't fit the climate, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Um, so, anyway. Let me see what else is going on here. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the stocks and things I bought were in the, we're we're more in the like Russell type stuff, not so much tech. Um, and I was just like, just kind of getting that getting that diversified essentially. Um, so I'm not up too much today because a lot of other things like energy and whatever are a bit down. It's like Exxon Mobil's down. Like overall, my portfolio about eight percent from the you know this trading folder that I created in the last year. Um, see what else is in here um yeah like um then i have a whole bunch of stuff that's in the green uh, yeah it's looking pretty good yeah I, i'm thinking like the the question in my mind is do i have a bunch of stocks that i don't have like really a lot of like 
you know, extreme faith and holding. I bought a bunch of banks and various financial institutions when everyone thought the, you know, banks, the mid-sized banks were all going to go to zero. And a lot of those up are up quite a lot, like 40% and, you know, numbers like that. Um, I wonder if maybe like the play here for me is I just sell all that shit off because I wasn't really like <laughs> sure I wanted to keep them anyway because like I'm not sure with the high interest rates and stuff and not very much lending going on, banks aren't really making a whole lot of money right now. So there could be still another banking crisis this year um, where certain banks go under or whatever. Um, I'm wondering if maybe I sell all that shit off, like leave it in cash, um, send it to my like, you know, crypto trading account. And then like, if we have a nice dip, um, say for example, in like something like Chainlink or something like that, I just, just dump all that into there. <laughs> you know, like I probably do better actually. In fact, most of that shit, if I would have just bought Chainlink at the bottom and not diversified, I would have done better, but what are you going to do? Um, all the crypto market, of course, pumped. You could have bought anything, but now I think the question is like, if I'm going to be using, um, you know, serious portions of my like portfolio, my stock portfolio and stuff, it makes more sense to get things that are really relatively safe. Um, like things like Zephyr are great and everything. And, uh, but you know, they're, they're the sort of like high risk, high reward play, mega high volatility. You're going to be wrong about the price you buy it at. Like, you know, like almost surely that's just how this shit works. It's because like you'll buy it at 20, it'll go to 10. You'll buy it at 10, it'll go to five. Whatever. <laughs> That's just like, um, so the way like these small caps work is they operate on a function of max pain. Like, you know, it, like someone will buy like, let's say too much of it. Like they'll be like, ooh, it looks like it has good support at $25. They'll buy like a hundred grand worth. And then now they're at like, you know, they're, they, 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 their portfolio has dropped by like, I don't know, two thirds and like, oh shit, my hundred grand's only worth 30,000. So what do they do? They panic because they're like, oh, I put too much, like this thing could go to a dollar and then my wife's going to murder me or something. So what, what'll happen is, is that like, you'll have these capitulations when, 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 when some micro caps or anything really, when they break support and someone has too much in it, they'll have a tendency to go, ooh, or they'll try to say, ooh, it's, I think it's going to go down lower. So they'll sell with that idea of buying back even lower. And you see all this kind of wacky ass trading behavior. Um, usually with these things, the best thing to do is just scale in all the way down. Um, so if the price goes down, you add, but you don't try to trade your way to heaven. If, because like it's, this stuff is super, super unpredictable. Um, and the, even the charts and the fibs and everything, they're just guidelines. They're not, there's not a guarantee that things are going to hit those little lines. So scaling in makes sense. And, um, like, I mean, look at Zephyr just now, like it, it had dipped to like almost 1286 and it's back up to 523 again. So clearly like the volume starting to pick up. People are starting to like see those cheap buys. Yeah. In fact, the buy that just happened was the biggest candle since. Um, quite a while. Quite a while. Yeah. Like we're talking about December 10th or something on Mexi. So this is a pretty sizable candle. Like, so you're starting to see that as price goes down, bigger buyers, the smarter money are willing to sort of jump in here and sort of add to their bag because they can add so much more at this price, right? Because like, if you imagine, you know, and at 15 bucks, like you only have to get to $150 for a 10X now, right? Like, so the, like- so um, Just for, for, for fun, are you sitting in front mm -hmm. of the Zeph chart, I guess? Mm -hmm. So if you just, just draw a fit, 
from let's say the bottom that we had there at a dollar ninety or something in, in October. Yeah, and and then you just go like this and adjust it so the six one eight level is around the top, let's say like forty five dollars or forty six dollars somewhere around there. So mm-hmm. if it's a swing high a little bit over the six one eight, you just see it hit the three eight two, and this is the bottom here. So basically, we could really go like uh, if the one. FIP level is like we should be at three hundred dollars or something like that. I I I see that you know I'd like to draw these FIP levels in an in a it's like it's not running to the. <clears throat> I mean you could use the extensions like the one sixty eight or the two extension or something like that. But I yeah. sometimes like to draw it because it's still in this upward move, right? So I guess we could really reach like three hundred dollars, like a reasonable it, amount of time, you know. A little lesson here about generally drawing fib levels is what I've what I feel like is like what you're trying to discover when you're drawing lines on charts is you're trying to discover the truth. Um, the truth can only be found in the past, and it can't be found in the present in the same like because you can't you can't predict the future. So, on the Zeph chart, the only fibs I'm using right now is the yeah dollar eighty eight or whatever at the bottom of Mexi and like. The top being $52.35 at the top on Mexi. That's the highest volume, highest like uh, liquidity exchange. And therefore, that's like the truth in my sense, in my mind. Um, remember when I redrew the fibs and I said, okay, let's use like $15 and whatever. It went to like 14 something and that was sort of the new bottom. And I was like, let's make a set of fibs from that. This is the problem with doing that is that if the price drops below that, like, there's not enough time, not enough time has passed to prove what the new low is, the new higher low is going to be. So what happens is then you just have to keep drawing your fibs over and over again. It just doesn't make any sense. So like, I think the way I've moved to doing fibs generally is I'll go to like, just look at them on the like daily chart or whatever. And I'll look at a really, really credible low and a high and then go based on that. And then a, a large impulse move like we had with Zephyr makes it possible to draw a proper history fib. And then like, let's say we break all time high and then we run to some other new price range. So let's say you do another 10X or whatever um, off the prior high or something like that, it just runs, right? Then you would draw a new set of fibs based on that new low and then the new high from there. Um, and then that gives you more like local accuracy, right? Like it gives you more because the the farther out you go in the future, the more the and the higher the price of the asset goes, the more volume and the more cash actually has created new truth in the chart. Does that make sense? Like, so you're looking for the most truthful data possible when you do this. And what happens when we try to manufacture strategies for creating fibs is like, you know, you just end up making it look however you feel like it. And I think the thing is like, you'd want to go with what, um, like, uh, like what, what are the values here that like most traders would use? Cause you're using this as a predictive tool, not so much for just guessing where the price goes, but where other traders are likely to sell and buy. Well, I'm trying to figure out where actually the real levels are because they're like moving targets, right? As, as we go. So yeah, like, so th- but that's why I'm saying the past, the the fixed past, like you know, months ago, is the real truth here. And yeah. I would like that's why I, I like the bottom for me is a buck eighty eight or whatever, 
and the top is 52.35 on Mexi. I'm just wondering, you know, we had all these shenanigans around $15. It bounced quite a few times in the last, I don't know, it was like end of December or mid, yeah, it was from Christmas to now, right? Yeah. Bounced like two times around this $15 level. It's just a round number that kind of had an effect, or is that actually also level there, you know? Um, yeah, the level for on my uh, on my thing is like fourteen sixty nine. So it could be that people are just front running that number, like they figure people would you know that would be support. And so, but yeah, it's it's all plus or minus a little bit anyway. It's not like there's no exact thing to this. And that, remember, the bigger the market gets, the bigger the depth of liquidity, and the more professional traders that get involved. These things tend to conform with fibs a lot more closely. Like Chainlink's a good example of that. Um, but when you're at um, the smaller size kind of things, um, it's more like entropy plays a much bigger role. Like it's just kind of like random people. Like because because remember, like I could make a gigantic candle on this chart if I just moved a bunch of money here and bought, right? Like it's like, you know, what does that mean? Does it mean anything? Not necessarily. Like I can make the chart look however I want. So mm. um, this the lower liquidity markets are a bit more susceptible also to like just manipulation. Have you looked at the card. Mm -hmm. Coinex chart of Zeph? They also have it on trading view. So I did not, Zeph. but remember, it's you. You should go with no, the chart no, that I'm, has the highest volume. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like you can see these like stupid ass peaks and and drops. Like it drops a lot more and it peaks a lot more than than the other chart because it's a liquid, right? It's just uh, I I know that, but it's just like um, the less liquidity there is on an exchange, the more of these silly candles you get, right? Which don't really tell you anything. And it could be the same even on MaxC. The liquidity is like um, not that kind of great, right? I mean, we get a decent daily trading volume, but on certain dips and some some peaks, it could actually overshoot quite a bit. The particular fib level, I mean, right? Right. So it's, right. Yeah. I mean, no, it, like for sure, you could like if you're gonna literally trade these levels, um, you know, you could get really into the weeds with the exact science of it i think it's like for the most part it's just for me it's just setting expectations like where you know what kind of price where price could go just so i can kind of figure out like how much dry powder i want to leave at various levels i've pretty much deployed most of what i intend to in zephyr at this point unless you, it takes like some nosedive here and i'm like okay i can buy a metric ton of this stuff at six dollars or something ridiculous or something again but I think it's like less probable it goes back to that breakout level. Not impossible though. Like, you know, you never really know like, you know, who's selling and what and for what reason. Because remember, some people bought this thing at $2, right? So those people, you know, they're still at, you know, um, 7X or something, right? Like, so those people, as the price drops, like, uh-oh, I need to clock in my gains. So they might sell. So you never know what those people are going to do. I bought at six and I'm just been, I've been holding the entire time, just simply adding on the way down and just kind of building the bag a little bit. Um, should I have put a lot more in at six? Probably, but it, I didn't know anything about it at the time. I just was kind of like, just threw some money into Zephyr. But yeah, like um, I think like, yeah, if we dip down to like the next bib down, which is like right at like 929, 10 bucks, that's kind of a psychological level too for people, I think. But is it going to go back down to the breakout of six? I think that'd be too easy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it becomes like that's like a, just too big of a gift, essentially. And I think it makes it less likely it goes there. You know what Bruce would just say? I just 
I just heard him saying, yeah, and, and just today it prints a really nice candle and he'll say, yeah, some idiot is coming out and saying something like making a video. Look, the chef uh, just printed a whatever, what's the name for these candles? Like a doji candle, a great doji candle. candle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an influencer candle or something. Yeah. It like happens. You. Yeah, you, what you want on these dips is you want to like have some influencers notice the, like, you want to take this chart, like even plagiarize mine and just like post it on um, different influencers pages. You know how people are like, what coin should we buy? You know, like now, <laughs> you know, like, and you, you stick them in there. And what happens is, is you get a whole lot of new users who see these charts and then, go, oh, look, it's a nice dip. I want to buy some. And um, and sometimes you, you if you just have to get a few big influencers to be buying into it. And what will happen is they'll post it on their next video or whatnot. Right. So yeah, that's that's really important to try to influence the influencers, and if they if the influencer sees that like their timeline's being tagged with Zeph over and over and over again, hundred times a day, then they're like, oh shit, there must be something to this. If you guys don't like have the coin, but don't post on all these places, and you just figure someone else is going to do it for you, um, that's where the small accounts can help. You don't have to have a lot of influence. Just go to the big accounts that have a bunch of influence and just dump you know write Zeph and buys that for some other bullshit on there. And in fact, you don't even have to put charts or whatever. You just put like a nice little like tweet with like some nice little emojis and some other bullshit on it and um, make it look nice. And what happens is, is that like people see those and they're like, oh, I'd like to see what this is. And then they'll, you know, like put a link there, how to get it and stuff and to Mexi or somewhere. And, uh, but yeah, like the, the benefit of doing that is that um, you base you're just basically spamming large influencer accounts with this the same way bots do for to some extent i mean do do it only to the influencers that are asking like hey they do this to gain influence right they want engagement what they do is they like say oh what are the small cap gems i should be buying right now you've seen these like funny little engagement tweets and so they're doing it to get an uh, um, engagement you're helping them by giving them engagement and then on the same at the same time you're you're um you're um you know, kind of like getting some reach and um, people are seeing the thing and because you want lots of small buyers. So you, you, another good thing to do is like tag the Zephyr Protocol's Twitter handle because then people go over there and they're, they're going to like, you know, follow the Twitter handle and stuff like this. So, yeah, it's a, like that, that's how kind of if you're a small account, um, you can actually make a material difference. And it's like, you just have to like keep spamming Twitter like a hundred times a day or whatever. It's not like anyone gives a fuck anyway. Um, almost nobody's going to see your tweets anyway, if you're a small account. So what's the difference? It's actually harder, like when it's a bigger account in some ways. Why? Because like, let's say someone posts something about Zephyr and something about Link and something about this and that. And I start like, the more things that I retweet, the less things on the timeline that I created is anyone going to see, which is another funny problem. So you wind up like if you overdo the number of posts and the number of retweets and nobody sees shit. So it's like, it actually is much more useful to, for smaller accounts to retweet bigger ones that have created some posts, but the smaller accounts can just spam the shit out of whatever ticker to however many uh, places that you can imagine. And it doesn't bother anybody. It just creates pure visibility because you're just tagging larger accounts and just like, it's like a, you know, you know how like, you know, crocodiles have little birds on them or whatever. It's like, like a symbiotic relationship is what you end up getting. Um, you're helping them with engagement and then they're helping you with like getting your, your call. Just for, for the news section, do we know anything about the upcoming decks? 
on Zephyr? Um, no, nothing yet. Um, I, I haven't, like haven't leaked anything, right? So I think there was like the producer was thinking that like um, that maybe there was a couple of dexes being worked on. Um, so that ought to like get some visibility. Um, and yeah, if it's small dexes, it just adds visibility, but doesn't really, it's not really negative for price action because new dexes, you know, you're not going to have a lot of like market maker depth or anything to make any real difference in terms of like downward price action. Um, but yeah, the, the, um, couple of new dexes. And then is there going to be like a actual, not DEXs, but sexes, centralized exchanges. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be also a DEX coming? That's the part I'm not sure about. Like we just yeah, yeah. They, they 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 have it on their roadmap, right? They're talking about a DEX, and and, and I'm just wondering what they yeah. are building. I don't, right? I don't, but I don't know if they're working with like. Because remember, we were talking about Sarai. Um, maybe they're working with somebody like that to add it because it's not straightforward to add ring signatures to a DEX, and where you're going to get the liquidity from, right? Like someone's got to produce. You know, a dex and, and, and what's, what's sort of the other side, right? I mean, you you won't just. I mean, it doesn't help you anything if you just provide the ZSD because you can do that in the wallet right now, right? Just trade from ZSD to, mm -hmm. to Zeph, and that it's, it doesn't make sense. You want to have a trading pair against ETH or a trading pair against whatever, right? Yeah, More of course. Like, so someone's yeah. got to provide that liquidity, so and then provide incentives for it. So yeah, if it's also, like a you have to have that wrapped token on another chain as a representation. It's like what Rune does, right? With their, with mm -hmm. their. Uh, well, what no? What what uh, what Rune does is they don't have a wrapped token necessarily. They have the real token, so that's the beauty of that. Is like you you have to connect two. Yeah, well. yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I, I understand, but there's something that represents represents that that real token on the Rune blockchain, right? So there's still a wrapped version of that thing available and is released against when you know it, it, you can't they actually have these synths uh, uh, that you can run around oh yeah they're see. using synths to like make a ledger entry as to work how much yes of yeah, that yeah. token is on the thing yeah, yeah 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 and you have to have the counter value in uh, rune as a bond or whatever you might call it so you don't run away yeah, as a value you're bonding the validators they're holding that yeah. bitcoin or whatever that 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 um yeah. liquidity so provider bitcoin, you, you lose the, the room counter value right so, so yeah of. like probably the simplest thing for the broadest sort of utility is either have like a tether or a btc trading pair on some kind of a dex would be nice um you know, something that can't be shut down so easily, really widely distributed decks. Interesting thing is, it, it, there is not much around that actually works like that for uh, XMR. So they have these atomic swaps, but exactly. they're like super, super edgy, right? These Bitcoin atomic swaps, they're like <laughs> not, not, not yeah, no one. Atomic swaps, you can't use it for large scale. Yeah, not for Bitcoin with these gas fees at the moment. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like you, you make people poor. Yeah. And uh, and the other problem is, um, you know, if if you have a trading pairs, if you have really, if they build something and there's CSD involved, you know, I could imagine that you actually really attract the Monero crowd with that, you know, because you have that that stable coin as an intermediary also on a private layer, right? So you don't have that with XMR. You always have to trade back into something unstable with XMR. And yeah. you remember Waves Network? Uh, these Ukrainian guys that actually really went. You remember that wave? I, I don't know. Yeah, it was like um. Oh, wave. Like was yeah, waves. 
was it, it's still there you know it's just I don't, like i don't know too much about it yeah but I, I i heard of the name before but i don't know what it does and when the war broke out actually a lot of people used it to run money through it and token moon right and after after um, i don't know a couple of months it just went down again and no one's talking about it Interesting. But I think a lot of people in the Monero crowd actually use that as well because they had a pretty big bond on Monero and that was integrated into that waste token. You know? So anyway, so I still kind of, you know, I think there's interest there more than yeah. We'll have to see. Like, we'll have to see who, um, yeah, like what what the devs actually come up with in terms of some either partnership or whatever. I'd be shocked yeah. if they're building like their own decks. That'd be like that's a lot of work. Um, and it, it would take God knows how long, and it wouldn't be secure because you'd have to have it all. Like, what about the audits and everything else, right? So, you want something that's been built by a DEX is something you'd want to have built by someone that knows what they're doing. I would imagine, <laughs> like, that would be the normal strategy. Who knows? May I, I would suspect they're probably just talking with people that are already in that space, maybe Sarai or whoever. Maybe because, like, if they're Sarai's already working on incorporating Monero, then adding Zeph is easy anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah, if anyone's uh oh there's somebody that asked to speak and then disappeared again. Um sometimes people like enter the space and just hit speaker when they come in and they don't they don't actually intend to speak, I think. Anyway, I people have questions about any Sarai on network, right? Or what was Sarai, yeah. S E um R A I. Yeah, S E R A I dot exchange. Yeah. Sarai dot exchange. I'll bookmark it just so I kind of keep an eye on this one. Um, in here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they're still just on GitHub. Okay. So they haven't built a front end. That's interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not it's not built yet. Um, I don't know if, even know if it's working or not. It's just... Anyway, MP, did you have a comment, question? Yes. Uh, hi, Sifi. Uh, thanks, thanks for allowing, allowing me. Uh, would you like to speak more on uh, Ruin a little bit and, and link? Uh, sorry, I joined the space late. I, I might be a little late on this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much we are just talking about how, like, uh, well, Ruin, I didn't have really anything to add specifically. Um, Chad Bereford and the gang had a, um, had a, had a AMA yesterday on Twitter that I kind of was able to listen to a little bit of while I was grocery shopping. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I would say like, I was just mentioning that, that Chainlink is probably one of the most undervalued large caps um, with the highest potential in all of crypto, I think. And, uh, and that I bought a, a fuck ton of it <laughs> like in the, in the 14 to $15 range. So um yeah, I'm just kind of pumping my bag in the, in a sense, but yeah, it's like I bought a lot more. I bought a lot at like seven dollars in that area too. So my, I think my average now has brought come up to twelve. But there's so many interesting partnerships and stuff with Chainlink is what we was ta we were talking about earlier. Um, where you can find those is um, there's a website called what was it called Chainlink. Um, ecosystem.com so that's a good place to sort of like see um what's been connected what hasn't but some of the biggest ones that haven't been added are sort of um swift the banking system but they're working with them to do some things there's um 
what was the other one called? Um, DT. I always forget the damn acronyms. All these four letter acronyms are getting, yeah, DTCC. That's the post-trade financial trade services company that handles um, settlements of like most of the world's stock market or whatever. And so Chainlink is looking at um, them. And so the, some of these things are listed as intent, meaning they're not actually live. But you have others like Kobo, the digital asset custody solutions provider, and some other ones that are doing like connections to CCIP with Chainlink. And that's going to bring a lot of value to the coin. So I'd say, um, like to me, like this is probably Chainlink's big year. I mean, I'm, I'm just, again, I could be completely wrong, but like compared to last season when it did quite well, I mean, Chainlink went from like, you know, opening all the way up to the bull market high at 52. So, you know, it, it made a quite a run, but it wasn't um, as impressive as like some people thought it would be. Uh, but I think this season, Chainlink has a lot more narratives than it did last season and a lot more stuff's been built. So I think it's set up for a very, very nice bull run. And I, and I, and what I really pretty much summarized what I said earlier today is that like, it's the one that I felt like I could dump a crap ton of money into. And if it dipped, like it goes down to the, you know, $12 level or it goes down to the $10 level. It's not, I'm not going to lose even a little bit of sleep over it. Meaning I'm, I know that my money's safe in that, um, that it's, it's one of the most interesting, um, projects of the season in terms of progress that they've made. And, oh. um, it hasn't also, the other plus side is it hasn't run very much. It went from like the bottom at maybe like five to six bucks and it came up to about 15 bucks, but it ha it's only up to it's like third fib for off the bottom and has, you know, a three X from here just to get to prior high. So I presume that like my money's going to three X at a minimum. And so I went ahead and like added to my, to my bag. In fact, I think my average is 12 bucks. So it probably four X at a minimum um, is my guesstimation. And then like the odds that it's going to hit prior high at some point in the future, maybe it's not now, maybe it's not this year. Who knows? Maybe it takes all year to do it. I don't know. But I think the probability of it doing a 4X is high with a relatively low risk. So I, I put an outsized amount of money into it. That's just my disclosure. <laughs> so oh, there you oh, go. Awesome, awesome. Can, can, I, can I ask like two questions? Uh, mm -hmm. First is at the moment, I've got like, of course, like a very, very small bag. Uh, it's like 50 50 uh, uh, Ruin and Link. Mm -hmm. And Ruin doesn't seem to be having like like good good price action. Or maybe I'm, I'm getting, in, getting in at the wrong time. So I'm thinking um, like to buy more of like link or should I still stick to like 50-50 allocation for, for to ruin and link? First question. Second is. It depends. Uh, like it depends what yeah. your goal is. If you're, if you're small amounts and you're looking for higher gains, I would say probably just stick like, I wouldn't mess with your ruin. I'd just leave it alone. Like, because you're talking about um, last season top was about 20 bucks. It's like $4 now. You're only like, on Thorchain, you're only probably like, um, hold on. Do you know what the deterministic price of Thor of Rune is right now? Current value? Do you know? I think it is like one third of this trade. That's how it goes. Roughly. No, it's like no, no, no. But what's the actual deterministic value right now? Um, About a dollar and a half. Let me look. Let, it let up. me check. Let me, let me look at it up. I don't think. I think. I think it's more than a dollar and a half. Um, let me see. Market cap, total Rune pooled. Somewhere in this goddamn thing is a calculator. I I always lose the rune price calculator. Oh yeah. Deterministic value of rune is a dollar sixty-six. Where you look this up is Thorchain.org 
forward slash rune. And if you look, yes, go down, yes. it's in the rune price calculator and the deterministic value. So yeah, I would yeah. say like, so that means that, um, you know, like a very, very fair value of rune is $2. And at $4.20, you only have a 2x in terms of speculative multiple, right? Right. Yeah. That's pretty fair. I mean, like you're always going to have some speculative multiple, um, you know, in play. So the closer you get to a price of dollar sixty six, obviously the better the 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 you know the better off you are. But like if if I bought Rune today at four twenty and the deterministic value is dollar sixty six, let's say BTC and ETH dump and that goes down to dollar fifty, eh, you know, so what? Like okay, the price of my coin drops maybe fifty percent. And then it runs later on, right? So because you're you're yeah, you're yeah. asking yourself, what's your downside? And if it dips, am I, it's going to go back up again or not, right? That's what you're really right, right. Yeah, you're my, not, my, my second second question was uh, Cause, more cause, around because here's, cause here's yeah. the thing: like the way I think of this is for everyone else in the audience too, not just for you. But if you think about it like this, it's not just how high can your coin go, how much pain can you tolerate? And if you're you have a bag that's small and you're going to ride it till like you know uh, you know bigger bull markets. It's all just approximation and gambling anyway. So the thing is, like, if your rune price drops from here, you you would just basically add some all the way down to two bucks, whatever that number is. If it if it um, is it a decent price to get in now, though? Yeah, I think so. It's not bad. It's not bad. Like it's in terms of um, like overall price from the top and speculative multiple and everything else. It's not bad at all. Um, are you going to like? Because the question is also like, are you going to get the sub dollar level again that you had back in like summer? I think the odds of that have gone definitely much lower now. Right, right. right. Well, and, yeah, the, so... and the big reason for that is because Rune has the the Thor chain has way more traffic now than it did back then. That's the big Absolutely. reason. Absolutely, agree. Yeah, yeah. No, so, uh, my second question. Uh, uh, sorry, after that, I'll stop. Uh, is like, is is it like wise to just hold ruin and, and link just on Kraken and and not kind of uh, do any kind of like, uh, I don't know, like deposit somewhere? Oh, or, I mean, because yeah, uh, I mean, because I'm not like familiar with any of that because I think last last uh, uh, spaces uh, you mentioned I, I, the question was more around uh, atom, and then you you mentioned that for atom we need to basically have it like. Uh, bonded somewhere or like deposited yeah, so somewhere. So, so what you need to download, let me just tell you what to download. You can do it right now. So on your phone, uh, for Adam, get yourself. Uh, no, no, no. I, I'm talking like specifically for just for like ruin and link. I mean, I, I stayed away yeah. from Atom because it has this inflationary uh, mechanism which kind of like uh, eats, eats away the gains. So is ruin and link immune to this inflationary like print printing of like tokens? And is it like just wise to uh, no, just hold it on crack? crack not exactly. Link does get inflated because um, oh. the Chainlink company has uh, a lot of tokens that they're giving out for stakers because there's certain like node growth stuff. But that's all right. immaterial. I wouldn't worry about that shit. Like, okay, so, so the, yeah. the reality is like that's not really enough to matter for in terms of local price action. The um, if you use any kind of inflationary coin like Adam, yes, you should stake it because otherwise you're not getting the benefit. You're not getting the benefit of the coin. You're you're being inflated away. Um, so you need to own the. So part of your income from your Adam is the income from the staking yield, and um, so that's a slightly different product. Now, as far as wallets are concerned, yeah, you, do you want to leave it on Kraken? Eh, if it's small amounts, 
I know people are all big on self-custody and everything, but if it's small amounts and you're just comfortable leaving it there, it's fine. It's not a big deal. If you get into large amounts, then typically you don't want to leave it on exchange. If it's a very trustworthy exchange like Kraken or Coinbase, you're probably okay even with large amounts of money. But um, if you're talking about fringe exchanges like Mexi and shit, you definitely want to move all your coins off. Yeah, like Link and Ruin is like not susceptible to uh, getting inflated away, right? Like no need to like stake or anything like that, right? Uh, with Rune, I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. Uh, because I, I think don't believe, for I don't Rune, believe it was so. 500 million coins, like maximum. Yeah, and Link, and then there Link was, you like, can only stake it periodically. There's only staking okay. available when the staking pool gets bigger. Um, so that's the only time you can actually stake it. I do not have mine staked, by the way. I just, the staking pool is full right now. And um, I have way too much Link to sort of like bother messing with all that shit. But the like right now, like um, yeah, if you want to move your link off exchange, just use MetaMask, and you can easily move link to a MetaMask wallet, no problem. Right. So, I mean, like my my amounts are like insignificant; it's like less than twenty thousand USDs. I I wouldn't bother. Yeah, at that level, I would. If you're comfortable, you can basically just leave it um, yeah. off exchange. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things about self custody is also is like, what happens if you drop dead? You know, is your family going to get your access to your yeah. account and stuff that makes it more complicated whereas you have self-custody at least you have it and and uh, right. you have your seed phrase whatever and whoever can get your money so that's kind of a thing to always consider so yeah at this point i've really tapered down all the shit that i own and i went heavy into link i have my moon bags of kujira and zephyr because they're they're the ones that i think like have good potential for doing like you know, and 10 and 100x numbers, I think that's going to be like Kajira and Zeph. And uh, Link, like, you know, if I get a 10x, I'll be really happy with it. Will it do a 10x? Eh, maybe not. But if it does a 7x, I'll be happy too. So, like, it's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah. Any, any ruin that you hold that you want to disclose? At this moment, I used to have some, but like, um, I, don't, I don't know if I have any right now. I'd have to dig through my wallets and see. I probably do somewhere because I had some last season. I don't know where I put it. Oh. <laughs> like while it's all over the place yeah i'm pretty sure i have some somewhere but it's like um it's um one of the problems with the rune was like i was buying it on coinly before not coinly uh coinly um kucoin and like i don't know where i'm buying i would buy it now i think maybe is it on mexi now or where yeah it be became a little bit of a pain to get it um did they add it to coinbase I, or no i don't think so it's on coinbase but you got it on crack Yes, it definitely have a Kraken, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I have a Kraken account. Maybe I have it on there. I don't know where I put the fucking rune. It's like it's there somewhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like um, I have some that I have stashed away somewhere. I haven't opened my Kraken account in a long time. Maybe it's there. Um, but yeah, oh, uh, oh, we just uh, lost uh, uh, Noob, but I was going to tell him about, um, I did do my, for MEXC, I did do my um, exports um, to Coinly. Coinly does allow you to export, but it's weird how like you have to do three different CSV files for MEXC. You have to do all your deposits, all your withdrawals, and then you have to do the uh, CSV file from your spot trading account. You have to do all of those things. Um, what I did notice is for tax purposes, um, Kujira is actually not... The Kujira wallet is not supported. Um, Osmosis is on Coinly, but Kujira's is not. So if any of you guys are Kujira fans, um, 
let um, you know. In fact, let me let me message Dead Right Dove right now. They'll probably listen to me. Um, but we need like sort of a a place to get like tax tens transaction data, and it'd be nice if like you could just type Kuji on uh, Coinly and it was all fully supported. I don't know how quickly Coinly adds these kinds of things, but uh, like Terra's on there, and I, I believe in some other ones. Let's see. Um, Kuji. Keep pushing the wrong button here. There we go. DMs. Let me... So Dead Right Dove is. Um... There he is. At Dead Right Dove. Um, I'm going to say, can you guys uh, work? on um, adding so tax analysis on Coinly would be helpful now since we are in 2023 season. Okay, all right, that covers that. Anyway, um, yeah, getting taxes done is a pain in the ass on some of the various DEX-related chains and whatnot. Um, anyway, yeah, Kraken should be safe. They've been around a long time, by the way. Um, I don't see any big problems there, but um, yeah, yeah, like from a, you know, I think of all of them, it's like Adam's the one that's irritating me the most because it frustrates me that like the Adam devs, like it's there's a lot of transaction on Adam. In fact, its transaction levels have um, spiked like to like 2021, 2020s type levels. So a lot of action always on Adam, but like price action, I think people get the sense that like, okay, who's going to pump my bag? And they don't see anybody talking about Adam on Twitter. They don't see anybody talking about Adam much on, you know, this. it's not like a layer one. It's like kind of like a, um, it's a simple store of value coin at this point for the, for as far as most people are concerned. And like, there's not like a lot of projects being built on it. And even the projects that are built on it, like Neutron and whatever, like they don't tend to shill Adam at all. So there's like no, there's no incentive alignment to actually talk about it, which I think is frustrating. Most of us that have held it for a long time. Um, like I've been in the green on the thing because I bought all the way down to like seven bucks and the yield from it was actually higher up until now. It, they actually dropped it from 20% down to like, now it's about 14. But um, because it was very inflationary, you've got a lot of income from the thing. So I got like this, I just looked at my tax statement. I'm like, holy shit, I got to pay a lot of income taxes on my Adam. Um, because like it come, all that staking rewards get claimed as income, right? So, um, so that ends up being kind of an interesting problem because while on the one hand, income can be good, like especially if you have like shit that you buy, like computers or whatever, and you want to claim this is like stock in, you, you can claim that income is actual like a job in a sense. So you can actually uh, deduct taxes against it for stuff that you use for that job. And you can claim all sorts of shit, like, I don't know, whatever. You can claim mileage or some other shit for conferences. You can claim all sorts of stuff, um, you know, software and other shit you buy for and your computers, whatever you can, you can claim all sorts of shit against income. So that can be a benefit, but it can also be a negative. Cause like if you have previous tax losses or something, you can't clock it against capital losses. 
so these can't be used as capital gains against losses to then like negate your taxes. So from a tax perspective, it can be a bit frustrating um, to deal with like staking income. And that's another irritating piece of this. Um, so anyway, like, yeah, Adam can be good. It can be, you know, it can be all right. And, you know, in a bull market, it'll probably run. You know that you don't have much of a bull market yet because some of the dino coins, as they're called, like stuff that's been around since last season, only some of them have really pumped very much. Like Adam went from $6 at the bottom to like 12 and now it's back down to about 9.6. Um, Dogecoin and Luna and um, I don't know, like plenty of large market cap stuff has not really moved very much. Litecoin, ton, a lot of these have not moved much. And I think that's because like you just don't have a lot of retail people in. Like I think that people, like the theme for this season has been, wait a minute, why are some coins running and why is my coin not running? And what has happened this season is, is like the AI narrative from last year kind of ran a bunch of shit up. Injective and a caution, not injective, I'm sorry, fetch and a caution, a bunch of other things kind of ran on this kind of like AI theme that everyone pumped. But people are like, how come, how come my coin's not mooning? How come mine's not going up? I own Adam or I own Doge or I own whatever. And um, it's like, um, there's this kind of chase happening where people have been chasing some meme coins and different things. You notice like a mini meme coin pump um, in almost every on almost every chain because um, Solana has pumped already, and you know some you know people are like okay I don't know what to put my money in, and and the reality is like you know there's a lot of liquidity fragmentation. People don't know what the next runner is going to be, so it's not like everyone piles into the same thing. So now I'm looking for like what narrative has not run, what coin has not really picked up. And the obvious one with a gigantic amount of narratives going forward is Chainlink. And it's like, it seemed like the safest choice in my mind. If you look at the top 100, like find, like, well, in fact, let me just go through some of the top 100 and see if we can actually discover a safer bet here. And the answer is probably no, like at, at current price level. Um, there's obviously BTC that you could always buy, but um, you don't know what the time preference is that on that's going to be necessarily. If you want something that hasn't run yet, Chainlink hasn't run compared to BTC, right? So that's the thing. If you want something that's high quality and hasn't really like run hard, I think that that's like it's your like quality choice in the top 100 in my view. Um, Litecoin, Dogecoin, they haven't run at all. And in fact, Doge has like really pulled back. Litecoin's pulled back. But are they going to build narrative? And the thing is, so far, I haven't seen a whole lot of anybody pumping. LTC or Doge. So while they're like low risk bets because they really haven't moved yet and they're at the sort of bottom of support, they're it's also unknown whether they're going to be like high gains, right? So like there's that problem. Um, but um, just kind of digging through these, yeah, like Celestia, for example, ran a lot already. Two point nine billion market cap. It could still run, I suppose, but it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these things pulled back. But like Aptos, is it going to be big this year? I don't know. Maybe not. Not sure. Um, Hedera Hashgraph is still at number 38. HBAR, like what? Okay, fine. Um, IMX was sort of popular, which is kind of the gaming thing. you know. But these things have reached like 2 billion market cap and whatever. Are they going to continue to run? I don't know. Caspa hit 3 billion market cap and pulled back to 2.2. Um, I hope Caspa does well because that bodes well for Zephyr if it does. Um, Let's see, Kronos, VeChain, VeChain, like it's fucking vaporware. Nobody even uses that shit. It's still running at like level four. It's like number 48 on the market cap list. Um, 
what else is in here? Um, Say Network and some of these other things have run quite a bit. So yeah, it's like almost like of the things that haven't run too hard off their bear market lows. Um, I feel like um, Chainlink in this list is of the relatively low risk category um, in terms of like probability of upside and the probability you can put a gigantic ton of money into it and not worry that it's going to go to zero or something. So you have to look at it from both angles, right? It's like the big money, what are they going to bother putting their money in? Yeah, sure. They're going to want stuff that goes up, but they also want stuff that doesn't want to go, that doesn't go down too much more from here. And I think Chainlink fits the bill on in, in terms of the top 100. Um, Drew, have you seen anything else in this list that's like super undervalued top 100? Yeah. We talked um, about ThorChain a little bit. There's one it's called right. uh, uh, Shido, Shido, the Japanese word for seed. It's a layer one um, on Cosmo. It's kind of like really? Zay. My my friend uh, mentioned it. I saw it on um, CoinGecko's uh, like... Is it it's, brand new? It's somewhat new. It's a few months old. It had a really big pump. Um, forgive me, I'm in the car, so if you hear a lot of background noise. Oh, it um, sure did. It's got it's got an 88 mil yeah. market cap now, but yeah, it it ran up hard. Yeah, for I, this I bought month. about two grand around uh, 0.65 cents. Um, but yeah, it ran up pretty okay. hard. I'm hoping it retraces here. I mean, it, it looks like it's it's lower support in this range is around. Um, 0.98 cents um, but yeah no I, I mean it, it looks pretty solid it's it's uh, EVM uh, IBC and, and Cosmosm compatible layer one um, it's got a bunch of features on it uh, lo- looks a lot like mm. say actually um, but a very small fraction of the market cap so I'm, I'm wondering if maybe that's going to do it I also bought a bunch of Metis around um, what was it 35 bucks I think my average is around 35 36 bucks per metis and that's been pretty nice but big drawback mm. today so okay. looks like dimension hasn't opened yet i don't know what ido price they're going to have dym um that's another new cosmos chain as well yeah so like but these are these are like more brand new things that you might do for like very high volatility very high upside type coins um I feel like the sub hundred million market cap level, my horse in the race so far is kind of adding into Zephyr and picking that up. And then I think the other one in that level is 400 million market cap, which should be Kuji. Those are kind of my two biggest ones now. I'm trying not to follow too much shit. Like just, it's yeah, just likewise, like, but it's really tempting, you know, uh, especially when you see that is tempting, run up yeah. for, for Shido. I, I saw it's, it had like a 500% gain over a, a week and it had just hit like a 50 mil market cap. Um, then, uh, again, my friend, uh, reached out to me and he was really hyped on yeah. it. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Chasse, who I've been bombarding with the Zeph propaganda, uh, had a video on, <laughs> on uh, Shido too. So, okay, that that might help. Yeah, he he's got. Yeah. He he's doing some hardcore shilling. Oh, yeah. I noticed that. Definitely. Uh, I think he's a I think he's a VC on Metis, which I found out way after I bought it. Um, doubt doubtful that he is on on Shido, but I think it's definitely one to look into. I know you don't want to crowd up the, the the bandwidth too much, but where'd you buy? Where'd you buy it from? Uh, next C. Yeah, okay. So. All right. So it's at least but it's on still sitting exchange, on the exchange. Yeah. So, you know, however comfortable you are. With the that. other one that is um, like 
relatively new that I do have a bag in is Levana, which is Jonathan's thing. They did a bit of a clusterfuck on the yeah. opening yeah, as I far as like, dip on that but kind of buying around, the, around 22. The, but. the market cap at this moment is a funny 8 million, which is funny. So it could pump a lot just because like there's just not much circulating supply out there. But they have this weird like situation where the market cap is tiny and the FDV is like 200 million, which is it's just a weird like the way they release this thing is just odd. Yeah, that scares the hell out of me, especially so, after the way the market makers dumped right when it right, right when it launched. Well, the market makers dumped because you had two different prices on two different exchanges and they had to equalize them. Oh, okay. that, that's what happened. Like what happened was like it launched on Levana. And they had probably a previously agreed upon price that it would release on uh, MEXC, which it did. And then what happened was, is like the Levana price was too high relative to the MEXC price. So guess what happens? Yeah. You know, that's, that's what happens. <laughs> you get this, arb, the, arb, the ARB rate was what wrecked them. And so they didn't think about the timing when they did this shit, which was um, problematic. What's the TLDR on it? Like, what's what's the... What's the use case, and 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 what do you think the potential is on on Levana? Uh, well, it's it's a it's a perps dex, and they they have quite a bit of volume on it, so it's a bet on the the execution of their perps system, which so far has been running well, apparently, like some hiccups here and there, but doing pretty good. So it would be like just it's it's a bag that I just kind of like hold and see what happens, kind of thing. Um, the others kind of like you know small bag you know, would be like Stargaze, for example, is probably like, if you want to like gamble on a, the NFT platform doing well, that might be an option as well. But their, their market cap's about a hundred million right now. So it's picked up a bit. Um, but it hasn't even hit its bear market high of like six cents. It's still at four. So that's another one that's an option to pick up. But um, what's your target price on Levana? Levana, man, that's a tough one because it's such a fucked up um, like token distribution. I have no idea, man. It's one of these things that it's like it's like anything. If my thought is if it just runs for no other reason but because, you know, just because it just pops for some reason, then it's like you'd probably want to sell it at like I don't know a dollar or something, and then exit it and then try to get in lower again, probably. But yeah, it's like a. Yeah, it's kind of stupidly set up right now as far as the circulating market cap. The gamble would be like, okay, like unlocks are like a year later or something. So the the gamble would be like that um, while the market cap is low, you just try to get a little bit and then hope that it pumps. Like that's the idea <laughs> because it's like there's so little liquidity, right? So anyway, who knows? Sounds almost like a, a meme coin scenario there. Get your quick. Yeah, it's a pure gamble. Well, I mean, it has an actual project, but as far as like the tokenomics and the distribution, it's like who who the fuck yeah. knows. All right, man. I'm yeah, it's a it's, walking, it's a it's a total gamble. Walking back into the yeah. office here. So. Oh, sure thing, sure thing. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Theme of the day is that pretty much that uh, like Chainlink has basically held up when all the other alts dumped, and that usually is a sign that it's going to run next. So. If it's showing strength and everything else is showing weakness, when everything else runs, it'll probably run. Cause so it's like it only dropped um like we have a bunch of other alts that dropped like ten percent or whatever overnight. And it went from like fifteen, sixty-nine 
to like 1445, which is a pretty minimal move. And then it's already back up to 1535. So um, you got a pretty nice rising wedge again on chain link, which doing for the third time at this price level. So, you know, maybe third time's a charm and it runs next. Next level for chain link is $21. And then the next level after that is 3160. So on that one, it's like I'm watching for uh, 21 will almost certainly be resistance area because it's been support numerous times in the past history of Chainlink. And once it sort of like slips past there, I think it runs to like 31. I mean, if it runs to 31, it would be catching up essentially to Solana's run so far. And in terms of like relative FIB levels, not so much market cap. Remember, if you doubles from here, um, Chainlink's market cap still only like 16 billion. Um, and that's kind of the nice thing is like the market caps are not too lofty. Um, you know, for it to get to a hundred billion market cap, sort of like a Cardano did last season, it would basically need to get to, oh, I don't know, like $150 link. So this is why I think like 150 link is very rational. Does it get like an ETH level giga, giga run? That depends like during the bull market, if they announce something gigantic, like if one of these actual partnerships like DTCC actually materializes within two years during the bull market, you could get like a giga run related to that and then have an ETH level run where it hits like something crazy, like 200 billion market cap or something. So Chainlink is like the front runner here in my view for like absolute moon, but is not priced at that level. Um, now like, is the market going to actually believe, you know, price it like I am? I don't know. Like who, who the fuck knows? Maybe the market doesn't care. Maybe there's not enough memes or something. I don't know. But the point is like, if you look at Chainlink, um, and you say like, what is the more important project on this planet, Solana or Chainlink? Like what Chainlink's trying to accomplish is way more ambitious than what Solana's doing. Interesting thing here is like, they're incorporating everything. They're looking at privacy layer with various roll-up scenarios they're looking at they have oracles already they have a cross-chain nft um engine that's already running right now i discussed it this morning there's a bunch of nft projects actually running ccip um you have like i mean chainlink is basically doing fucking everything computing you know, potentially the connectivity to access things like similar to what Akash and others are doing, where you can have compute access. So Chainlink's basically creating a gigantic computer that's decentralized. And that's the the ambitious look at it. And in that sense, like scalability, remember, Chainlink is not a blockchain. It's a series of Oracle nodal networks and data data availability networks and stuff, API networks and data flows. And, you know, like with the size and scale of Chainlink, it's not impossible for them to create, hell, their own blockchains if they want. There's really nothing to it at this point. Like they can spin up a Cosmos chain in five minutes and they would ha you'd have a Chainlink blockchain. So they're not in the blockchain game really because they're looking much bigger than pure blockchains. They're just looking at infinite numbers of nodal networks for uh, oracles and other, and other price feeds and, and um, computational layers. Pretty, pretty interesting just going to deep dive into it. Like, I hadn't really looked at what Chainlink was doing for the past couple of years until recently. Um, it was like, I mean, to be honest with you, like what Chainlink was for me was like just simply a big trade last season where like we, we bought it low and sold it high. Um, and then like this season, I bought it at like $7 average thinking that, hey, you know, after the FTX crash, 
I figured I could buy a bag and it would pump back to $21 really quickly. And I would just sell for a quick, quick sell and make a three X. Well, guess what? Like it didn't do that. And I became a bag holder for a year and a half. <laughs> I bought it at $7 and Chainlink hadn't moved for like the entire bear market stayed flat. It was shockingly like surprising to me that that happened. I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, why isn't it even doing like a reflex pump to 21? You would think it would, right? Like, so it didn't even have like a bear market rally of any substance. It just pretty much got sold off every time it hit like $9, $10, right? So like to me, I became just a chain link bag holder. And so finally, after a year and a half, I got like, you know, my bag got to a 2X when it moved from like the $7 average I bought it at or $8 average or whatever it was to like $16. So I was at that level where now I'm at like this level. And then like um, around that time, that that price action happened. It was also the time when like, you know, it was right after the Chainlink um, conference where they released all sorts of information as far as CCIP stuff that's going on since the summer. And they released um, just a whole bunch of slew of data that I had not been following regarding Chainlink. Because unless you're a Chainlink dev or something, you know what the fuck's going on with them, right? So you you basically like do some research and, you know, and at that point, it's like when my bag goes up, my question is, okay, what's my conviction? Do I hold this? My intent was to just gamble Chainlink initially. But it moved from being like, just you know a gamble to quite literally one of my biggest bags um you know like that i'm following at this point and the reason for this is just all the information they put out i'm like holy shit like dtcc like i don't know a whole lot of shit about like stock clearing houses but like that's a like multiple quadrillion um transactions uh type of firm apparently that does all sorts of like clearing of stocks and stuff like this on the back end that you never see when you use your brokerage and stuff, but they are the clearing account for a lot of that, that, you know, they're the source of truth for how much stock is actually in the universe and how much each, you know, like brokerage has and all that kind of good shit. So like, you know, there, there's an intent for DTCC to be correlate, you know, incorporating chaining services is that going to materialize in big time price action because of like value accrual for a link maybe it does maybe it doesn't who knows maybe it um maybe that shit doesn't materialize maybe the anz bank doesn't materialize so who knows like these things are vaporware until proven otherwise just remember that like don't get too wrapped up in these narratives but the point is like um at this point at this price of chain link it's a rational price level it's you know had plenty of consolidation time it spent plenty of time at this price level at 15 to 20 bucks in the past it's not a bad price level and it hasn't run like Solana and some other shit that has. It doesn't have like the meme coin crowd, doesn't have all that shit. But are when hedge funds and ETFs and stuff get built, like who's going to be included in that shit? It's going to be Chainlink because they're the high quality play and they're doing stuff for all sorts of institutional players. And when institutions are going, hey, maybe we're going to invest in something, you know, let's say a Chainlink ETF comes out. Well, guess what? That's the kind of thing people are going to invest in. So it's like, you know, I think like the upside for the next two to three years is good enough where it's like, A, if it just goes to the previous high, which it very likely will, like making prior high is all about delivering year after year. And they have delivered a lot of shit. I'm surprised Chainlink's not back to all-time high now in all seriousness. It's like Chainlink does so much more shit now than it did three years ago. It's just mind, mind numbing how much stuff's out now. So to me, it's like um, the market has not priced in Chainlink's value and it, and it instead ran up a bunch of bullshit and um, AI stuff and 
injective, which is run by mostly like, you know, pumpers and stuff and like whatever. So the whole thing is interesting in that like the high quality project being Chainlink is so undervalued. It's very rare in the market you get this opportunity. And I was like, screw it. So I just dumped a bunch of money in the last few days when um, at like somewhere between 50 and um, 14 something, I added a bunch. I think my average is now up to 12. It was seven or eight. So I added because the more research I've done on conviction stuff, the less interesting shit I'm finding. And the more I'm like, hey, wait a minute, Chainlink's undervalued here. It seems like people just lumped it in with dino coins and just forgot about it. And most people in crypto have no clue what they're doing and have no realization that there's this much stuff happening. So what will happen when you have all these partnerships um, is you're going to wind up with a lot of attention over time because you're going to have mentions from all those protocols that use it. You're going to have YouTube stuff. You're going to have media talking about it. You're going to have when new partnerships materialize, Chainlink's going to post about it. It's like retweet fodder. But pretty much looking at the fact that like Chainlink has been in CCIP, which is a cross-chain protocol, has been incorporated by Polygon, Aave. Uh, and these are live, by the way. These are active right now. You can go onto the Chainlink, um, what do you call it? The What's that website called? It's called, uh, oh, shit. Um, let me just tell you what it is so you can look for yourself. But um, let's see, Chainlink Partnerships. Yeah, it's called ChainlinkEcosystem.com is what it is. And what's, um, like, you can go through and it shows you what, stuff is actually live versus what is like just in, intent, meaning that it's not actually live yet. But the stuff that's live includes things like Aave, which is kind of like the biggest lending barring platform. Um, it includes things like Uniswap has some of their stuff going through there. Synthetics, which is a stock trading pl platform on Ethereum. Um, Arbitrum at the chain level. Uh, Optimism at the chain level. Polygon at chain level have all incorporated CCIP, which means like at this point, Cosmos chains need to do the shit too or they're gonna be left behind. Oh, Circle um, has been incorporated into CCIP. So Circle has its own protocol for USDC. And um, that's like the mint burn mechanism for um, sort of minting Circle in one place after burning it somewhere else. So like the, the passage of the Circle token from one chain to the other um, so that it can like, you don't have extra um, circle coins laying around somewhere, you know? So um, the only way you can, you can move from one chain to the other is if you mint it on one and burn it on the other, the, the sending and receiving sides. So Chainlink is in, I mean, sorry, uh, Circle was just incorporated into Chainlink CCIP. What does that mean? It means that any brand new chain or project that incorporates CCIP into their interface, into their um, backend, what that means is that they can immediately get access to any asset that's on CCIP, which includes any NFT that's cross-chain with CCIP, and which includes Circle, which is on CCIP. This is different than like IBC. So in IBC in Cosmos, you have like Axelar has Circle. I'm sorry, Axelar. Yeah, Axelar has, I believe, USDC, and Nomic has Bitcoin, and like there's a few of these other concepts. Um, but the problem is, is that like you have circle on sometimes multiple different providers and that can lead to additional fragmentation with ccip you know for sure that any ccip related chain will be able to send and receive circle usdc no problem right so the same way like so the way this is going to work out is the same way tether became something that 
every chain and every centralized exchange exchange had to incorporate in order to be relevant the same way chains had to incorporate USDC to maintain relevancy. CCIP is just going to be one more of those sort of cross-chain protocols that you're going to have to have incorporated to maintain your like relevance in terms of like because new new developers are going to want to go where they already have CCIP on chain, right? This is the reason why Matic and I'm sorry Polygon and um, and um, you know Arbitrum and Optimism and all these things are adding um, CCIP and they're adding it because like that's where the new developers are going to show up. Not only that, but you can cross chain transfer NFTs. You can cross chain transfer um, um, like uh, stable coins, you can cross-chain transfer any of your assets, and Chainlink takes care of all the minting and burning of everything. And they have price feeds, so they can be the optimal source for a source of truth for, say, for example, the price of your gold back token or some shit like that, right? So they can redeem your token one-to-one with the price of gold at that moment, and you don't have to rely upon others to do this, like Wormhole Bridge and whoever else, right? So Basically, CCIP with Chainlink becomes a direct competitor to bridge installations like Wormhole and make them increasingly less relevant. Um, so right now, the amount of traffic going through CCIP is really low. and But that traffic, as you know, will just increase with time over the next year, the next two years. And um, like, yeah, and then they've added on top of that, the, this link token being used to secure the new nodes that are going to be developed for each of these oracle networks so so if like dtcc which is the you know clearinghouse for stocks decides to incorporate chainlink um and swift by the way is also talking with chainlink so these are the biggest organizations on the planet pretty much there if you incorporate ccip then that implies that okay you will be able to like trade tokenized stocks you'll be able to trade um, all these things, but from the actual provider. We're not talking about some fucking like, you know, synthetics type of thing. We're talking about actual stocks being tokenized and theoretically put on chain for your trading needs or whatever, which could be very, very interesting. Um, so CCIP becomes a clearinghouse. Like it would be no different when you issue a stock into CCIP, it'd be no different than like issuing it to where where DTCC will issue a stock to like Fidelity or BlackRock or somebody, right? So they're a back-end clearinghouse for all the stocks. They, they, they prove that like the number of stocks in existence are the right amount and that each institution that carries these various stocks and things, you know, whether they're on paper or whatever, have the right number, all that kind of thing, right? So they're, they're a clearinghouse. So if um, these ambitious projects um, happen and, you know, they have the backing of Eric Schmidt from Google and whoever, like they have the legit like backing. In fact, I find it suspicious that Chainlink did not get run over by the SEC like everybody else for like issuing securities back in what is it 2017 2018 when or was it 2019 that Chainlink came out whatever but the point is a 7 year statute of limitations has not passed but none of the lawsuits with SEC have ever mentioned Chainlink <laughs> like i find that to be a little bit suspicious that maybe that um Chainlink may be doing stuff for um in the background there may be some un um like undisclosed stuff that may be happening with government or with some of these organizations. And it's also interesting that like, what's his name? Uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, Jamie Dimon and uh, Larry Fink, uh, Jamie Dimon with JP Morgan Chase and Larry Fink with BlackRock. If you don't know who these people are, 
they both mention tokenization of assets. And like, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, there could be some other companies building tokenization systems, but none of those that I know of have like a robust, well-developed Oracle network to back them up. So what you need for tokenization is you need Oracle truth networks. Otherwise, you like, you know, you wind up with like, you know, token that's, you know, supposed to go with the price of gold, but you don't have actual remittance at the price of gold. You have to rely upon like fake stuff like mirror protocol or whatever. Like it's like fake gold and fake stocks and whatever, like synthetics to have real stocks and real gold and things like that traded on chain. You have to have an Oracle network and you have to have a remittance mechanism that you know is going to work. Like, so for example, what's a remittance mechanism? It's like when you have a dollar of USDC, you know, for sure that circle is going to give you back $1 cash. If you asked for it, that's the remittance concept. Same thing here is your stock or your gold that's tokenized actually real or not? Um, what what constitutes a real stock or a real issuance of gold or platinum or whatever? That's what what Chainlink is sort of like angling at, and their plans are just way more ambitious than a lot of other ecosystems. Like for example, Ethereum has done a great job creating a neat blockchain and everything, but they're not doing this shit. In fact, the interesting thing about Chainlink is you don't even need Ethereum to make it work. In fact, you don't have to have any of the current existing blockchains to make it work, right? That's interesting to me. Um, so like incorporating CCIP, whether you're on Cosmos, whether you're an Ethereum-based chain, and most chains now are one of those two things, right? Um, EVM or, or um, uh, Cosmos-based um, you know, protocols. And like, no matter which of these you are, Chainlink benefits everybody. So what happens when you're a project that benefits everybody is you probably will connect it, connected to everybody. And that's just, it's like becoming the Wi-Fi standard or becoming the HDMI standard or becoming like whatever, right? Like a video standard. It's a similar concept. Once you have a certain amount of market reach, everyone almost has to integrate with you. Otherwise they're going to be left behind. And I think Chainlink's in that position. So that's my thesis for going outsized like balls to the wall, like mega size on chain link, because I think um, I, I should have done more research during the bear market and picked up more. Sure. Okay. Whatever. I fomoed into the thing. So fuck me if it goes down, but like, uh, but this is the rationale behind why I picked up um, a much, much larger bag than I bought at $7. Um, well, yeah, much larger as in like, I don't know, like, I don't know, seven times as big or something. So. Um, you know, that gives you an idea. But uh, yeah, a lot more conviction for it now than I had um, during the bear market or even before. Like, uh, the more I've thought about it, and not only that, but it's not just that. Why did I put more into this? Because I dug through a lot of other coins. I'm like, what can I put money into where I can put a large chunk of cash and like be sure that it's A, not going to zero, and B, have a pretty good bull run where it's like, it's not dead cash. And part of it is like, you know, how much more their stock's going to run? Yeah, they might have a big bull market, but they're not going to do a fucking 5x, right? Like, so, so like, to me, it's like, I'm looking for that thing where I can put a gigantic amount of money in and I can be fairly sure it's, I'm not going to lose it or be stuck, like being a bag holder for too long. And I think that magic mix of being not having run yet and being right in that sort of sweet spot to me is chain link. And if anyone has any counter arguments to that, or like that it's a bad idea, let me know. Cause then I can, sell my fucking bag or whatever but like i don't see any real real major downsides at this moment for it not being a solid solid play um and you know last bull market i think like in my dad's trading account i bought a bunch of it 
Um, I don't know why you know, he wanted some and I'm like, oh, sure. So I bought it at like something like in the, I would say like seven to $15 range. And we sold it, um, at about 50 bucks. So almost the exact top. Um, I had to sell it because of some estate stuff he was doing, um, because of his health. Um, and so some of that was just pure luck, but yeah, like we, he wanted to pay for one of my kids' college uh, educations as well. So he sold the the chain link he had at that point. And then like I bought it back in my personal thing at like more like seven bucks or eight bucks average. And then I'm like, I've been kind of like formulating a thesis of what things I want to buy the most of. And you can be pretty safe in Ethereum as well, right? As far as like having decent altcoin exposure, decent upside. But I think Chainlink's upside is better um, with almost nearly the same level of like relative security that it's not going to go to zero, right? So like when you're talking about large bags of money, like you have to be considering like, okay, which of these things can like likely go to zero <laughs> for some reason. And so you can't put it in size in like, like I have a, a pretty good bag of Zephyr, for example, but it's not like I can't put my life savings in it, right? It's not, it's not at that level of stability and liquidity and like you know the downside volatility where you can take like let's say a substantial portion of your wealth stick it in there and hope it doesn't go down 50 percent. like you can't have that happen right so you can understand why like not everything is about how many gains you can get it's also about the relative security of your money positioned in a certain um in a certain coin or whatever and sizing and allocation of assets is really important so it does help to see this from perspective that someone that spends a lot of money on these things, because if you only see it from the perspective of like small time peanut money, you don't get the flip side. And if you don't understand the flip side, then you don't know who the future buyers of your coin are, right? Like, you know, it's, who it's, are it's be, funny you should yeah. say that because I'm contemplating taking out a home equity line of credit up to 95 LTV. Um, <laughs> You're going hardcore. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of the other way around too. I'm like, I've been watching some of the things run and I'm like, um, like whatever minor debts that I've had, I'm looking at clearing them as well. So I've been trying to just knocking out anything, just eliminating some of the debt. But although like a lot of my debt, my home though, that's the funny thing. Like my home is like, I had never paid off my home because I've always just used the cash. Like why? Well, what's the interest what's your low. interest rate? on your house it's like three or something yeah dude there's no reason to ever do that i, I don't yeah know so why am i gonna pay that shit back off because if i just like i could dump it in like a stock that pays like 10 percent dividend yield like petrobras and i don't like i would just be making more than had i paid my house yeah, off. I, no I, yeah. so i'm i'm a mortgage loan officer i'm doxing mm -hmm. myself more that's really great um <laughs> so you know the you know the game yeah i, I mean I, I can't tell you in 2020 so what's but if you're gonna take an outsized bag in something because you're actually borrowing money you have to take low risk right you need an almost guaranteed gain right yeah but i i mean if, so if it's which would you what, what's your coin rate? what's your coin of choice though for for, for doing that like <laughs> i have i have about 20 percent of my my portfolio in chain link so actually that was my question for you is mm -hmm. you know if you're a if you were a quasi wage slave um in your early 30s and and not a doctor i, I mean you were already a doctor surgeon for yeah, yeah. 10 years there five years at that point um would you uh and, and you were going to take a risk like that right like like taking equity out of the only asset you have um or even taking like well, a personal loan what would what would you stick it in would it be link or would it be zephyr um i again you can like at 
low prices of small market caps, you can definitely pick up small bags, right? But don't go nuts. Yeah. Like you want to, you like, if you're going to borrow money against anything and you're, and by the way, something like Zephyr is already a leverage play on the market, right? (laughs) Because if you have a thousand bucks of it and a hundred X's or whatever, um, it's already a leverage play. So think of micro caps as being on leverage already. So taking leverage on top of leverage on top of leverage gets to be like um, a bit silly um, in terms of just uh, you don't want to trap yourself in that kind of situation. So my thought was, and what and here's how it is like I'll say all this shit and I'll be and it'll moon and you're going to be pissed off that you didn't get it. So like don't, don't yeah. so don't be upset with me afterwards. No. But like no, you're the good. point yeah. is like I won't. You know, in terms of risk management, it's like you know you know with the usual financial not financial advice mantra like. And I think it's reasonable financial advice to tell people not to take too much risk with their money and you know lose yeah, it all. So I, I think I'm like way overboard. <laughs> with that, with, you, with you, that sort of in mind, you, you remember like, like, like a week ago when I asked you because uh, the narrative has been that this is going to be like the last mm-hmm. parabolic bull run for Bitcoin, right? And it's it's going to have that gold ETF effect. So my my question before was. I mean, do you think there's a chance we get you know another bull run with with a significant number of of 10x you know, mid and, and small cap coins. And you said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then we, it digressed into to, um, talking about uh, uh, penny stocks as the alternative, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so I, I think because of that, the level of FOMO that I, I, I've had over the last. Well, one thing for sure, days, if you're going to FOMO into something, m- small cap, FOMO into it, like when it's pulled back big time, like yeah. Zeth has. So that yeah. like you don't FOMO into these things at the top when everyone else is crying and they're like, oh, shit, my bag's down 80 percent from the top. That's precisely when you start going, "Ooh, now I can start scaling into something like that. Yeah. So you know what? I, I did it again the other day on on neon. I think I mentioned that, too. So neon uh-huh. yeah, pulled yeah, yeah. all the way back to like, um, oh, what is it, a dollar fifty or is it point one five? Something like that. Yeah. And then I, so I saw- this first pump, this first disbelief pump, remember, it's not new people that came to the market. Majority of this was previous money that was here. Yeah. And part of it was like leverage based pump. So so the reason why I've been careful about like this is why I kind of cycled out of some of this shit. I was like, eh, do I really want to stay and fetch and a cosh and whatever else and injective and da, da, da. I was like, I don't know about all this. I'm like, like, I think what I'll do is I'll just like go to safety and. I just happened to gamble on the one safety pick, which is linked. That is now like the only thing that's up. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it was kind of like the right choice, but it was a bit of like uh, a bit of a luck there too. And um, but at the same time, I've got a sizable amount of Zeph, and um, and it's down considerably, right? So like, and I bought more higher. So um, so I so I'm fine with that. But like right now, if I were to say like if I was going to be going in big, oh by the way, what what is there? If I was going to be, I did go in big with a ton of money into into Link now. So the reality is is that um, so like I've already done that. So if you were to ask me like which choice was I making with my big money, it was Link for this these reasons. It's like the mixture of it hasn't run yet, coupled with the relative like. Uh, sort of like the relative defined downside coupled with like um, a project that is like fundamentally fantastic. Like it's that, it's that good blend of shit, right? Like, so to me, 
that's why link is heavy now for me. And it's definitely like link just became my heaviest, um, like trading coin or whatever you want to call it. Um, so far it's, it, so it's that big. It's like bigger than practically everything <laughs> like by a significant margin. Yeah. Uh, likewise. Uh, but, um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely more than 20% now. It's not, it's, it's approaching more like, I don't know, 70% or something like that. So Jesus Christ. Holy yeah. God. So it's a, it's a lot. So yeah, like, but no, that's, that's kind of like, yeah. You, like if you think the price didn't go down for a reason, it's cause I bought a fuck ton. That's why. It didn't go down. <laughs> <laughs> so some of it is because like chain links just rolling into diamond hands at this point. Yeah. Right? I was actually, like, I'm looking at this, the Zeph chart because uh, I, I saw it drop down to $13 and 39 cents. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. buy time. Right. And all. Yeah. I hope you got some at that level. I that's paused a nice to send an email and I look back up. And it's at like fifteen dollars and thirty cents. I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ! Did Sethy just go in and pump? That it? wasn't me. That one was not me. I, I wish it was. Like, I should have picked it up right there. But like, I was busy doing other shit. But yeah, it's um, it's fine. Whatever. I have plenty of Zeph. It's like at the same time, I'm like, I have so much of it. I'm like, wait, do I really want to be adding any more? Is my bag big enough? Unless it really dips hard, like even more aggressively, like goes to 10 bucks, whatever. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll double my back. Here's, here's a question for you. For you. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you risk this? Uh, I, I mean, I'm assuming the answer is no, but, but if Zeph pumps up to like, like the next fib level, just over a hundred, mm-hmm. it's obviously going to have a drawback down. I mean, when it hits that fib level, would you, mm-hmm. would you uh, like swap it out in the wallet and lose your, your four and a half percent um, and then let it, let it dip back down. Cause I, I mean, it's, probably going to have a big retracement right so yeah i'm not sure um the other would be to do like a completely fresh mexi account but the problem with doing that is going to be if you don't have trade history on it and you bring in a lot of money to try to trade it becomes yeah i'm a little a little nervous about that this is the other reason i'm heavy into zeph by the way is because like i have the freedom to do whatever the fuck i want with it at size and not have to like one i don't dump the market by converting it to zsd and then on top of that like i don't have the problem of getting locked out of some dimwit exchange so i might take the four percent hit if necessary like so yeah it's like a lot though i mean and and then you're going to take four and a half percent switching back in i mean you'd have to be pretty certain that it's going to retrace, you know, in, in excess of 10% after the next. Yeah. And remember that, that you're not going to be able to sell the exact top anyway, because you have to wait for the moving average to catch up too. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, it's, it's, so that's where the 4%, whatever comes from. It's more from because of the moving average catch up more than it is the fee. Right. So like, yeah, there, there is that element to it. So yeah, it's, um, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I think what I'm going to, I'm not planning on trading or messing with my Zephyr, honestly, too much. Like, it's one of those bags, it's like, it's like, imagine if you fumbled your early Monero bag, and it's up like, you know, like you bought it at like 50 mil market cap, and Monero is 3 billion, or whatever it is, like, you just don't mess with these things, honestly. You yeah, have so much I, other I shit the, to fuck the with, logic right? Like, there for me was, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if I want to take some profit on Zeph down the road, right? Yeah. So let's, let's say it hits like a $2.8 billion market cap, right? It'd be yeah. go through a crazy bull run, and I've got a 50x. Um, if I do that, right, at each, at each, uh, retracement, right. If, if I've, if I've sold somewhere near the top and it retraces below uh, mm-hmm. the local top, it retraces below, 
then I've got a bag of Zeph that I can send to another wallet and just hold, right? Right, and then right. Keep that original number of, of Zephyr tokens and send it back to the exchange to take profit at the end of the bull run. Exactly. So, and hide the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it goes yeah. into oblivion, right? So that yeah. way you can actually show at one point, if you get to the point where you actually, yeah, double your bag or whatever you do, you could theoretically send the remainder back to the exchange and it shows on your loss, you know, your profit, whatever statement as like, you know, having yeah, sold don't, the, the, you don't like, have to split that with the divorce lawyer, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, exactly. <laughs> so make it, uh, yeah, make it go into, you know, an abracadabra for you. That's exactly what you want to do. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like the um, so so that bag is one I'm just going to leave alone. It's link that I have to decide at some level. Like, okay, so the goal for my link is not to huddle the thing um, necessarily. It's going to be to sell at some point higher um, because that was sort of like the strategy I went into it with. It wasn't like it's not the huddle bag. Um, and my thought is like, okay, where is that likely to go? And I think in all probability. Um, you have a very feasible, um, like you have a feasible 10 X on link, I think in the tank, like, does it go to the fib at $143? I think that's a fairly likely thing only because that's only two fibs above the previous high. And that conforms with approximately a hundred billion market cap, which, um, has been done by Cardano and the likes of whoever, right? So this is something that is not impossible to have happen. Um, if it went only to its prior high and my money sort of forexes, okay, wonderful, right? Like that's pretty good too. Um, so when it gets to prior high and you look at the rest of the market, see where we are, where is it relative to BTC? Is BTC running like crazy and you know, like links only hit its prior high and it's gonna run more? Okay, fine. So you could always rethink that at that time. Now, does it go to the wild tops, like the $225 level, which would be like a giga ETH run, right? Like that would be ETH 2021 or whatever. Does it do an ETH run this time is a big question mark in my head. I mean, I think it depends on the greater mar crypto market cap, right? So we were just over 3 trillion before. I mean, if we, we go up to it like does, five. But it, but it also depends on some of those partnerships that were very big. If DTCC goes through, then you're talking about like a gigantic, the, the, the implication for Chainlink if DTCC gets implicated is that you can fucking trade tokenized stock via Chainlink, which means it's like blue chip beyond blue chips. We're talking about blue chip above Ethereum. But is there any information on, which is on fucking how, crazy. Like, you know, what, like what, what, what's the yield mechanism for, for putting value into Link when that happens? I, I mean, I'm so assuming right now, the, what, what, right now what it is is like any um, user is going to pay the node operators using Link as a universal gas token um, for the system. So CCIP right now, the stakers that for the nodes to, to, like the stakers for the node network to maintain financial security of those nodes, what's happening with it is that um, that right now is being paid out from Chainlink's kitty of Link tokens. So they're actually releasing some of the that into circulation, but they're doing that to stimulate like economic activity and incentivize um, the use of their systems right now, right? So it's almost like, a, think of it as a, um, like a advertising money, sort of. They're just using, they're expensing some of their own link tokens to hand out to stakers right now. So there is a little bit of inflation from that. Uh, a fair amount of tokens are coming into supply 
I think it's like 70 million a month or I don't remember what the number is, some some number, 70 million a year or something. Anyway, there's some number of tokens being released from their supply. But the good thing is their supply is being used for something useful. They're not just selling to dump on you. They're selling, like they're, they're issuing tokens via, to stakers. So an interesting thing too is now like more Link is staked than ever. And in the future, as more of these node networks emerge, more of the Link will be available as um, like more staking options are going to be available for you to take your Link and stake it right so some interesting things happening with that um and so that's kind of like some of the value accrual mechanism ultimately to link but the broader context really is you know how this stuff runs it runs more on narrative not so much on tokenomics tokenomics is great and everything but dimwits don't know anything about that shit all they do is like oh it's going up so they buy but they most people buy on narrative like how atmospheric does the narrative actually look does it look like it's going to be the next big thing bigger than ethereum um, it's possible for it to be as odd as that sounds. It's actually the, what they've built is very, very sort of like non blockchain dependent. Just thinking of, think of it as like you could connect any computing architecture to this. And the secret sauce was really like the Oracle network and getting that right was actually more important for financial networks than almost anything else that almost any blockchain project has done to date. Think about that for a minute, like, you know, like, 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 and it's infinitely scalable too. That's the other thing about Chainlink. It's not, they don't have the problem of like, you know, with blockchain and stuff where, um, you know, like, you, you know, oh, we, we can't scale because we've gotten too big um, or whatever. Like it can get infinitely scalable and you just add more nodes and more operators or whatever, and, you know, booyah, you're on your way. And the, and the other plus side here is, the CCIP gas token thing creates a revenue mechanism for all these node operators so that they are sustainable, right? You don't want to have some like just Ponzionomic incentive scheme where long-term those operators can't make money, right? So you want a system where node operators want to come work and they want to provide compute for this activity. So yeah, it's super, super interesting. And I think it's complicated to explain the whole fucking thing, which is partly why you don't see like clean narratives like, dogecoin to the moon or like btc store of value or digital gold or whatever it is chain links will be one of those things that will probably be undervalued until it giga moons is my guesstimation like it just that's kind of how it's going to be and eventually you know how these narratives pick up right they just become a life they have a life of their own so the, i think the good thing about it now is almost nobody realizes the narrative can be that big and even when people say this shit like some of the chain link people are like oh yeah it's going to go to a thousand dollars you just wait and see like it's like really you know like that's kind of like you know like what's with this um you know ridiculous enthusiasm what's with the the pump you know what's with the pumping but they're not entirely wrong you can actually get there and that's what's interesting to me about it at this price level it's like shit it's like none of that's priced in right like can can chainlink be a trillion dollar system the answer is yes it can be that's what's magical about this you think eric schmidt is sitting around you know, doing videos with fucking <laughs> Navarov for no reason. Like, clearly there is uh, some, you know, some consensus among smart people that it does good shit. And then the fact that all of the Ethereum layer twos of any relevance added Chainlink CCIP tells you something, right? Like, when I saw all that, I'm like, huh, this is not just vaporware. They're actually incorporating this shit. All right, I'm going balls deep into Chainlink now. Fuck it. Like, that's, that was kind of my, my thesis there. So, yeah, I'm, I've outsized the amount that I put into this, but um, I'm pretty sure I'll make my wife happy. I'll buy her something nice.
<laughs> like uh <laughs> so it's uh it's kind yeah, of like a mclaren dude <laughs> oh forget mclaren i can buy mclarens now with i don't like yeah i know I you could i don't care about expensive cars so much but like <laughs> well yeah because it's a sunk cost right i mean just whatever yeah it's just, no it's just more work for me it's like i gotta go service that fucking thing and call people to whatever fuck that yeah your five thousand dollar oil change fuck off <laughs> yeah exactly it's not even just the, that it's just like it's just pain in the ass is what it is it's like you're flexing for five minutes and doing like 50 hours of work for that five minutes of flex it's stupid um just yeah like you know granted like no for real like the car i bought if you want to just drive a car like um you can't beat a porsche pretty much for just just routine driving it's good for daily driving it's good for reliability like a toyota and it's got great resale value and you have almost no like maintenance shit like it's awesome like that's what you want yeah porsche is like the toyota for rich people put it that way it's like it doesn't because like, <laughs> like it depreciates the least right like i can it's sell my car just, just bought i can a sell toyota, my car today so. for the exact price i paid for it like that's gives you Really? Holy cow. That's, yeah, yeah. The 718 fighter is like just, yeah, it retained retain its value from the. It's just super nice. And everything's going electric, right? So who the fuck wants to drive an electric Porsche later? So it's like, you you know, the, the gas-powered ones are, <laughs> like, it's the last of the gas-powered Caymans, right? So it's like, um, yeah, the, the I, if, if anything, realistically, I should probably, like, be just, like, leaving sticking, it in a garage. Leaving it in a garage and just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have one of those things. But um but i did buy extra parts already for it though i bought like extra parts and like bumper parts and all sorts of shit and i just you see that makes you like sound it. like a prepper though <laughs> yeah no i got extra parts because that way like um i have all the pieces needed in case something breaks or whatever um so that like um uh, i don't have to find those things at like ridiculous prices later because they're cheap now right like you just whatever you know, yeah, any, anything you think you're going to, anything you think you're going to damage, like little parts and things, just go ahead and get yourself those. Otherwise you're, you're like nervous about driving your fucking car, right? Like, Oh, I might, I might bump this or bump that or whatever. Fuck that. Like just have the extra parts ready and you have them and then you know you can drive wherever you want. It's nice. Yeah, Cause these things just, you can put like, you can put like easily 200 K miles in a Porsche, no problem. So you can, you can daily drive these things into the ground. Yeah, I've heard that. I have a, a good friend who's a, a huge Porsche fanboy. Um, like yeah. A little 911 Turbo from, when was it? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I'll hold on to this. I think I'll hold on to the 718 probably for like, I don't know, maybe 20 years or something, whatever. Maybe, maybe or just drive it to, until I'm dead or something like that. Pull a Steve Jobs or whatever. <laughs> Even funny Steve funny Jobs. anecdote, <laughs> by the way. I, I did a... a I probably shouldn't say this online either in case he's listening, but I did a cash. There's no way he's listening to this. I did a cash out refi for a guy on his investment property uh -huh. uh, back in November. Um, and he's a huge fan of Hex. So, Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Did that <laughs> Dude, go badly? I'm telling you. He said he's putting part of it in into crypto. So, yeah, man. It's, it's yeah, definitely rolling. If, yes. if, if he was that hardcore into Hex and, you know, Oh, like some God. people were borrowing off of shit to go buy Luna and stuff. Like, um, yeah, there, there, there are always risks. So especially yeah, when no. you're borrowing money, that risk is outsized. Uh, that's, this is, you know, you know even, even with these rates though, the fact that I see people, you know, borrowing money to invest is, I mean, talk about a bull case. I mean, I saw a lot of it back in 2020, right? I'd, I'd see people do cash out refis and, and throw it straight into a stock portfolio. All the um, loans aren't nearly as easy to get now as they were before. So. No, they they aren't. Um, 
and and the rate on on a loan like that i mean we're talking like you know in the eights minimum right eight percent interest rates so i mean that's a hell of a payment like you you better cash flow pretty well on that investment property if you're gonna take a risk like that and then to throw it into something that stupid is just like mind-blowing but i didn't want to say anything i was just like hey man take a look at link you know not financial yeah. advice but take, take a look <laughs> what you want to see right now by the way with zephyr is you want to see a candle that looks like the last time we were in this price range like the nine dollar to like 24 dollar candles what you want to see now speaking of speaking of uh Sort of moves like a, a three-day candle or something like that. In fact, the weekly candle for Zephyr went from six seventy all the way to thirty dollars in one one week. Right? You want to see that happen next, um, and then you know it's on like Donkey Kong. Like if you if you have like one candle that takes you to fifty bucks, like one weekly, like then you know that people are watching this thing, right? Because the the thing people don't want to have happen is. They don't want to be in a coin that they felt like it was the one pump and dump coin. It bled out and I'm just a bag holder forever, right? That's not what you want to see. You want to see like a decent pump, a decent pullback to 70, 80%, whatever that number is. Um, and you want to see a ne the next run happen. And if you I mean, see- how much, how much capital would that take, Sefi, to get a, a mm, candle that big? That's huge. Not much. You're ta no. probably talking about like a couple mil. Not even a couple of mil, probably like a million. Maybe that's about it. I mean, that sounds astronomical to me, but uh, yeah, I guess. But like, no, but if you look at how much the market cap moves as a result of that one million, it's a lot. So that's why these things are very liquid exchanges, right? So like, it doesn't take much actual money to move these that much. So that's why like, um, yeah, but I guess my, but my point is here, like what people expect is, okay, the first sort of like impulse move, pullback. Then you want to get the next impulse move pullback right and each subsequent impulse tells people that okay someone cares about this chain someone cares about this coin and so if you get the next one and you get a pullback you'll probably get one other one right and it'll go like that all the way through the bull market for two solid years if you can be like at the very early stages of the market like now where you know the whole next year is just a happening year and you can get a good run-up of something like zephyr to like a billion market cap and you can do that before like Let's say you could get there before BTC even reaches all-time high, then you're really going to run, right? Like you're you're talking about going just gigasend, um, and you know Casper is in good position for something like that, right? Like it's it if you bought Casper really early, and you're at two billion market cap right now, you're riding pretty comfortably into a bull market where, you know, could that thing do a five x and get to ten billion? Sure, why not, right? No problem. Like this it wouldn't be unheard of at all. In fact, it'd be odd if it didn't honestly right so same thing with zephyr like if we can get some good movement like one more solid impulse before um before happening that's a great place to be um not to say that it'll happen but it like if you were just talking about how what would make a chart look good right now a chart looking good right now would be like see because it took like approximately from the bottom of a dollar 88 to get to about 52 dollars it took, let me see how many weeks. Um, I have one, two, three, four, five weekly candles. And then this retracement was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight candles, right? So we haven't retraced that much, like time-wise. Like you could easily double the amount of time it took to get to that top as the retracement period. So maybe the next few weeks or something, right? But after that, like if you see like things start to run and you get to like, 
you know, 130 or even better, like around 207. Because like 130 is not even a run from here because you're only talking about a 2x off the top or 3x off the top. You want to see on the next run, you want to get like a five, four to 5x off the top. So that put you at like the $210 fib. That would be a very good looking chart, right? To get to 210. Again, like I say this stuff and people's hopium starts to go through everyone's brains right now. I don't know for sure that'll happen, but I'm just saying like that would be the, the hallmark of a good looking chart. Don't you think it'd be more feasible if we had uh, um, a DEX integration and like a third party wallet? You think there's a possibility of even having like a third party wallet or do you think it's going to? Well, we have our first third party wallet, right? That's the Zephy wallet. That's the one that Meme Tree made. Yeah, that's true. But I'm, I'm it works. About... I, I'm using it. It's good. Um, it accidentally like evaporated my seed phrase for some reason. So I had to have to re-enter it again. But um, I, he said there's some kind of bug where it's like, it's uh, sometimes it loses the, like your, your, like, you know, you have to add your seed phrase back and re, re, reboot it or whatever. But um, I think it's some kind of IOS bug or something. So I, I kind of told him about it. But anyway, it, there is, that's the first started pretty well. And then the second one he's using is um, he's building one for Android. Yeah. You're talking about maybe like, incorporated into metamask or something right like something else yeah you know uh, uh, what's what's the most common monero wallet oh good question um i mean i mean conceivably this thing should just I'm since it's a sure. fork would just piggyback back off of everything monero does so sarai decks when they're up and running that would be the most um, logical decks for them to be integrated with they're talking about a swap on their roadmap you know, yeah, one um, it's like online Monero wallet for iOS and Android. Freewallet.org is one. Um, doesn't sound yeah. sketchy at all. I think it's called Free Wallet. Yeah, I don't know how long they've been around, um, but yeah, it's got the Monero logo on it and blah blah blah. Um, it's got three point eight out of five star ratings. It's got four hundred fifty one ratings though, so it's been around for a while. So maybe. By the way, a uh, quick wallet question on Zeph. Um, where? Where do you even, so I have the desktop wallet. Where do you even pull uh, your seed phrase from? I mean, it's just like, I, I just log in with the password. Uh, it never even gave me the seed phrase after I, after I downloaded this. Oh, so, did you, you didn't write down your seed phrase? No. Oh, you most definitely need to then because something happens, you're going to be fucked. Um, what you do is you go to your, go ahead and log into the, to the wallet using whatever yeah. your, um, and which, password. did you download the, a wallet or did you use Downloaded. Yeah, okay, that's why it. it's running. So what you want to do is go into it. It's okay, man. <laughs> It'll reveal your seed phrase and just go ahead and type, write it down. No, do it nah, to me. It, like, that'll, that's a bad thing to have happen. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, man. If your computer goes down or it goes dead for some reason, you're screwed. So, um, show yeah, you don't. Private yeah. view key. Hang on. No, yeah, it'll show view key and then just go ahead and write it down. Yeah, don't even, don't even waste time on something like that. I mean, I mean don't even question do it <laughs> like, yeah, gonna, yeah. that's dangerous yeah i like yeah so just hold your seed phrase somewhere um obviously yeah i mean um, it's actually i'm telling you i don't even remember it giving me the option to to copy it when i first downloaded the the desktop wallet so i do think it's bullish for alts generally though that everything pulls back now though um so you you want everything to pull back like, you know I think um, everything's pulling back like one fib level or something like that. Um, some of them aren't even pulling back that much. Solana's pulled back only to ninety four. No, actually take, went to eighty five. Um, let's see, Akash didn't pull back to even one fib level yet. Um, so 
so yeah, like I think if the next few weeks we can kind of get a little bit of pullbacks on the alts, uh, that's probably a good thing. Because what you want to have happen is um, some profit takers who are rich to make some money and get out. And you want prices to fall and you want newbies to come in and be able to buy at a substantially lower rate. Why? Because the bigger the newbie is up, the more they're going to shill their bags to the rest of their little friends. <laughs> That's how this works. Um, so you need that pullback to like make everyone rich. Um, and if you bought high, don't sweat it. Like whatever your bag goes down for a little while, big deal. But the crypto market needs those little flushes and it needs new blood to come in and buy low. Um, because remember a new buyer at a new low is expecting what they're like, Oh, it's crypto. It's going to be a 10 X. It's going to be whatever. It's, I'm going to get rich. So newbies tend to be like, um, you know, they tend to buy and hold pretty good, especially if they're only buying small amounts and you want to, um, you want to encourage those folks to show up. And the way that happens is by like the price going down a bit. Chainlink, I think is going to have the opposite effect. I think the reality is Chainlink is just being recognized as being badass, And so like what's happening is it's going to run and it won't pull back until maybe 32 or something. And then it pulls back and then you can get in. So yeah, you don't want to let um, the newbies get all the fun. Um, the stuff like the early alpha you want to get, like if you've been here in the bear market and you haven't taken advantage of any of the early alpha, you definitely want to do that before the newbies show up. They're going to be the ones pumping your bags. Like at the end of the day, like you know how this works. The last people to show up are the exit liquidity. That's how life works. And uh, you want to be early <laughs> to everything. <laughs> so yeah, Drew, if you're taking on leverage, um, you know, the, the obvious yeah, I mean, financial advice is that like, if you were going to do that, you'd want to buy low, not high. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hypothetical like, leverage, yeah. man, hypothetical. is my leverage, you know? But, yeah. Hypothetically. Uh, right. Like my, my friend just joined this space as I've been chilling it to him and he's, he's got to buy, but he's buying Cheeto instead. And he knows who he is. He's going to message me. Gonna message what, me Cheeto? what the hell is Cheeto? It's uh, it's the one I mentioned to you. Oh, earlier. Shiba, Shiba, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. S H I D O. So. Hold up, just a minute. Nice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. When the world starts to get really bad, and these mugs out here robbing, you gonna love digital currency. All these motherfuckers, they be running and gunning, and I'm all like, I'm sitting back, just having fun in the sun, and I'm like one out of a hundred. I'm just building up on it to sum up everything we built during the last hundred upsets. You're getting salty, feeling faulty. You ain't no man. I keep robo here, grinning near the ear, throwing up anarchy, smoking toiletries, spitting philosophies. Look at the dossier, we rack like geology. There's layers to this shit, like it's sedimentary. All these little onion peels getting torn off and buried. Imagine the smell. That shit is a vital experience without knowing. Now you will not survive, period. Uh, <laughs> he's a fucking trip, man. Jimmy, if you Jimmy, if you listen to this, right, you're getting absolutely fucking ripped to death, like on a spaces of the life, you little troglodyte bastard. I hope you fucking listen, I hope you come to my house, son. I swear to God, man, I've got fucking loads of weapons and my dogs, man. You just a little laugh, man. Go on. Fuck off, man. Do one. Fuck off. Harmony. Me and the one. Do you looking for a fucking job? You fucking idiot. You've just been fucking at the desk. Fuck off. 
try to change the course of the portion philosophy I'm just here for the corporation sponsored lobotomy Feels like I won the lottery, like I'm ghosting this pottery Chill, Demi, boy, this shit's supposed to be haunting If it wasn't, ain't no puzzle, you would try to train your muscle Air dropping like a fatal hustle, but the pay is bustin' Think of all the loss of crew, just to pick up off the tricky custom I figure all those sub would make up for something I guess it just goes to show, the fuck do I know? At least it's quiet over here, I like my little silo It's better than watching them fight over how to divide my time between sitting at the desk and the ride home Devs at Mickey D's, they leeching off that Wi-Fi Zapdos and Moldy shipping more than five guys Console open, waiting for the kamikaze When the flash phone bang, they feeling like paparazzi Snapshot motherfuckers We got layers, meteora jawbreaker We cracking a lot of craters We wrapping a lot of pay dirt Maxing out relators Imagine the smell, five dollar wrench to your Darth Vader it's, it's really funny uh, to us at Binance that everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators are, we know, we know where they live, and we're going to their house, we have a wrench, a big wrench, and we will attack them with the wrench, and then we will take their validator node physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right, so this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lunk uh, in order to take over the chain, is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb. It's just a van of men in uh, Balaclava, and they have wrench and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. They are usually very fat and they're usually uh, in the shower with, you know, with trying to wash their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we, uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop. Don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. give us your validator note. And then they give it to us and we drive it to China. Channel Spaces.